Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob Mitch, and this is Costume Station Zero. But a fair warning about this episode, I am joined by my good friend Kevin Kittredge, and as many listeners might know, we're fairly devoted Doctor Who fans. We decided after much discussion that uh, we wanted to air uh, some grievances and uh, some praise on the recent Series 7 Matt Smith episodes, uh, especially the uh, all the rumors for the 50th anniversary and the series finale. So... With that in mind, if you're here to listen for costume tips, costume stories, you might want to skip this one. However, if you just enjoy hearing Kevin and I banter, or you're a Doctor Who fan who just wants to hear some opinions to while away your day, then please, by all means, listen on. And next week, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming of cosplayer interviews. Thank you very much, and listen on. Make city approach. Four, three, two, one. Greetings, listeners, and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. I am joined again by my good friend, Kevin Kittredge. Hi. And we're here to geek out about Doctor Who. Um, uh, we will be uh, discussing costumes, but uh, we've decided that we need, to, we need to have a serious discussion about uh, the finale and uh, the whole of Season 7, or Season 7 A and B. So, Kevin, thoughts? Well, it's, it's kind of fun because... Last night, I called to gauge your interest on a, on a, on a video project, and we, we hadn't talked in a long time, mm-hmm. and we started talking about the episodes, and I was like, man, we, gotta, we should just save this and, and, and express our thoughts for, for the world to hear. For the, <laughs> we need to publicly express these opinions. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, the finale has, has stirred up some, some uh, feelings, both good and bad, I, I imagine. Before we get to the name of the Doctor, let's, let's talk a little about Season 7 as a whole, because it's an interesting season in that it's sort of been split in half. We have kind of a... It's sort of a, a trickery season. It's kind of like they kind of tried to make you think it was two seasons, with the first half being very Amy Rory, old school. Well, I, I say old school, meaning like the previous <laughs> seasons, right? And this the second half being very Clara, new TARDIS, new costume, and really, really, and new uh, opening titles. Um, so it's makes you think it's two. It's really one. So going all the way back to Asylum of the Daleks, uh, what what what's been your thoughts of the season? Um, well, going back to Asylum, I, I had just mentioned to you a few minutes ago, Asylum of the Daleks is my favorite of the whole bunch, including the finale. I thought I liked the story about Rory and Amy not not getting along and, and on their way to Divorceville. And I like how they were brought together. And I liked, I, 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 I enjoyed the emotion. And I know that uh, that's not usually why I watch Doctor Who to no. me. But, um, <laughs> but I, I was, I thought it was a good story. And I thought. The Daleks were scary, and I, mm-hmm. uh, especially when Rory's down with uh, petrified Daleks, and they start waking up. The whole eggs, eggs, and he's never met him before. He's like, "Eggs, you you want these?" And there's the Dalek <laughs> balls. 
exterminate. I went back to watch Asylum about a week ago, or probably probably even before, because it was before the finale. And I was like, okay, what does Clara know? Because I had heard rumors. I knew about everything that happened in the finale before I saw it, because mm -hmm. I need to read the spoilers, because oh. I am a terrible person oh. to All myself. Right. I, right, and... Uh, so I was like, okay, so if she's split off, does she know? Does she know that she's Clara? Does she know that she's known the doctor? And I did not get any sense of that in Asylum of the Daleks. In fact, she doesn't want to accept the fact that she's a Dalek. She's like, I'm a human. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of inconsistency with this whole Amy being split into a million pieces and chasing the doctor. You mean Clara being split into a million Clara, pieces? Clara, Clara. I say it wrong all the time. I, I, I jump back and forth. Okay. But you said Amy. Oh, what did I say, Amy? You said yeah, Amy. Okay. Well, just correcting, just so I'm, people don't get confused. No, yeah. I'm kind of an idiot sometimes. So, uh, but, I, but I loved Asylum of the Daleks. Uh, it, it is a fun one. Um, I, uh, I thought it was a strong opener. And, uh, you know, my biggest beef with it, um, is, uh, and I, and I know some, some people will just accuse me for being a Poindexter nerd as if we're not right. Uh, is that they promised us classic Daleks and they didn't really deliver. And I'm always going to, well, what, how did they promise us classic, classic Daleks? The, the, a lot of the, the pre-marketing on it, um, especially some of the, uh, the screensaver stuff they gave you, it, it really showed a lot of like classic style Daleks next to the newer ones. And the whole purpose of it was these are supposed to be these cast off relic Daleks from all these other years. And technically there are classic Daleks in there, but they're kind of buried away and they're under dust and you have to like do a whole like finding, um, every Dalek ever is it? What I don't like about that is, especially later on in the episode, uh, Clara even names off all these planets from uh, Hartnell and Pertwee and Trout and Era stories, saying these are Daleks left over from these planets and they're really messed up. You better watch yourself. This is where they needed to deliver old school Daleks. And instead we get just more RTD Daleks. And I, I was very upset about that. <laughs> I, was, I was not pleased. Sorry, sorry, buddy. Yes, I was, uh, and I'm surprised that that you're just like whatever. <laughs> I kind of am, mm -hmm. you know. It, you know what's interesting is because watching Earthshock, the fifth mm -hmm. Doctor episode of the Doctor's Revisited, yes. mm -hmm. just happened, mm -hmm. and I looked at those Cybermen, and and the Cybermen, those are my favorite Cybermen, yes. even though they are they're kind of silly and they got the moon boots. They're still my my Cybermen, yeah. mm -hmm. but the, the Daleks. More so the Cybermen. The monsters have always evolved. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like like when those Earthshock Cybermen happened. I was 14 or whatever, and or probably even younger. But I was probably about 13, 14 when I first saw them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go, these aren't the invasion Cybermen. This is stupid. Mm -hmm. I was like, these are all right. These are how they look now. Right. And as much, okay, so the new Daleks, the new I Daleks, yeah. the apples. The, the, okay. The fat Daleks. As much as I applaud progression and understanding of the fact that they're not always going to be the same, those are just stupid. Those Daleks <laughs> are just stupid. And there, there, there can't be too much of a question about that. And I think even Moffat kind of realized that. And he's kind of pulled back on him a little bit. We'll see what happens in the anniversary. But um, I've noticed that too. Yeah. But as far as the RTD Daleks, I didn't. I, I, I was just like, okay, they're not too different. They're not too different than the old ones. Okay, look, here's my thing. It's one thing if you want to say this is a new Dalek story, a new Cyberman story, and here we are, the Cybermen are back, and they look different. And you and you can uh, uh, justify by saying either, yes, 
it is the same as before, but we've updated it because this is the way the show is now. We've had to update them for the time it's made. Or you can even, within the context of the show, say, okay, they've been uh, doing upgrades on themselves. And so now the doctor's facing them this time. He's facing an upgraded version. Yes. You can go either way, and that's that's fine. What bothers me is, one, when marketing promises me one thing in this show and doesn't deliver, that just, you know, that's just disappointment. Okay. okay. Secondly, if you're telling me that these Daleks are specifically from these adventures and they're coming out and you've already shown in the background there's older Daleks, then you have you have failed. <laughs> I'm sorry. I this, will say it's a failure. I will say because I haven't really considered it all that much, mm -hmm. but it would have been super fun if a first Doctor Dalek was yes. like a badass and did something. You're yes. right. I, I completely agree with you with that. Yeah. I mean, notice you, you did see the special weapons Dalek, right? And, yeah. And yeah. So that kind of thing was there, and that was great. But it was just one of those things where it would have been nice if, if they – or change the script and don't even name those planets. Then it can be whatever, and we can move on, you know? And kind of along that lines of marketing, what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I just need to I just need to clarify. I love Doctor Who, and I'm glad it's on the air. And I, th I think Stephen Moffat has done more good than bad. Mm -hmm. But in terms of marketing, when he says, for example, before season six, somebody's going to die. We're not joking around. We're not pulling your leg. Someone's going to die. And it's we find out it's the doctor. And he doesn't die. Mm -hmm. It's a robot of him. Mm -hmm. It's, And when people call him out on that, I think Stephen takes that view of fandom as listen it's just a tv show get over it i think he i think he kind of does that and this is the this is our fantasy world that i created and uh, that i'm contributing to anyway yeah. and you should you should just let it go and as as a fan a, a nearly lifelong fan i'm invested in these characters and i'm invested in these stories mm -hmm. and i don't think somebody should tell me I'm a dipshit for examining what is happening in these stories that I'm mm -hmm. observing and calling them out on their misdirection. But yes, I, I would agree. Well, RTD was very guilty of that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but I know what you're saying. And part of that, I think is just, that's just the way the, the TV industry is. But it's, it's one thing to say like with rtd they were like you're gonna bring the bastard back and he was like no no we're not gonna do this we're not gonna do it. we're not gonna do that and to hide it so that's a surprise later mm -hmm. i'm all right with the name of the doctor because he's never actually said we're going to learn the name of the doctor he said right he said we're going to learn his biggest secret and it's in the name of the doctor and the explanation of the name of the doctor i'm actually really fine with but um i think i mean he clearly put it out there for people to think they were going to learn his name. Yeah, I know some people who uh, were partly disappointed with the episode because of what you just said. Whereas if you look at the episode, it was very clever in how it is. The name of the doctor is a factor, but you were never supposed to learn the name. And let's face it, what name could he have said that would have remotely been satisfying? Yeah, I, I don't want to know the doctor's name. Yeah. Along, along similar lines to this is the fall of the 11th on Trenzalore. And it's like, oh, shit, man, the, the doctor, he's the fall of the 11th doctor. Um, he falls from the sky. See, he fell. The doctor <laughs> fell. There's the fall of the 11th. It's like, really, dude? 
I, I, I assumed actually, uh, this is from the end of season six, right? With the, uh, the headless monk. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, uh, I, I had actually assumed that they at first were talking about not the death of the, the doctor himself, but just the death of the 11th doctor. This is foretelling the end of Smith's era before we move on to, doctor. which is a very reasonable and, uh, the conclusion that they wanted us to come to, right? Which I'm all I'm all for, but uh, but I agree. You know, I didn't even interpret that Tardis fall. That's the, I, I think that's what it is. I but think that's, that's interesting. The fall it, of the eleventh. The fall of the eleventh. And um, but here's the other. We're boy. We're really jumping into the finale now. Let's. Um, here's my thing about it. You uh, you you say the fall of the eleventh. If you talk about the death of the Doctor as as the eleventh incarnation, not the death of the entire <laughs> entity known as the Doctor, I guess. Um, you do walk into this tomb, and the, the console room looks like it does now, which I thought was very telling. And I thought, wait a minute, why doesn't this console room look different? He's changing it all the time. By the time he's the 12th or 13th Doctor, this room should look entirely different. And I understand part of it, you could say, is production reasons or whatnot, but it, it's it's a key thing. So it makes me go like, well, what does this mean? Are, are we saying that this is, this is uh, that the Doctor dies in his 11th incarnation for good? I, uh, I understand what you're saying. I actually, that is something I don't have too much of a problem with uh, in terms of the console room. He mm-hmm. could easily go back to that. Con- First of all, he doesn't have to ever change it again. He doesn't have to. No. But and, look uh, at the history of the show. True, but uh, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it dict. And he could go back to it. He could. He could go to a console room and be like, "Oh man, I miss that cool dark blue and and uh, <laughs> he could do that. He could." It's awful convenient, that's all. I don't have too much of a problem with it at all. All right. All and right. I'm I'm a bitch, so if I don't have I'm, a problem with I'm it... I'm surprised, but okay, <laughs> yeah, no, but that it makes me wonder, especially when, uh, keep in mind... But but that, now we find out that it's not the fall of the 11th, so so everything's consistent. <laughs> he fell from the sky, if you're there's taking, your fall. If you're taking that view. See, I, and I, it did, did not occur to me until you just said that, about the, 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 the literal fall of the TARDIS. I actually forget about that. Well, what other way so. can you interpret it now? Well... You're taking it extremely literally. And to be honest, you're probably right. I mean, Moffat, I know, likes to tease, make you think something's going to be bigger than it is. And then it turns out, oh, no, it's really this really simple thing. Um, like the whole thing with River. He teases us and teases us and teases us. Is she his wife? Is he not his wife? Da, da, da. And at the end, she's his wife. And it was like, wait, you <clears throat> teased us for like two years just to basically say, oh, yeah, she's his wife. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it's, it was... It was just kind of ridiculous. And I'm not, you know me, I'm an old schooler. I'm not a big fan of the whole Doctor Romance marriage thing. So when that ended up being the ultimate reveal, it was like, eh, I was waiting for something cleverer. But you build all that flirtation and you get to the point where, well, she has to be. How, how What else could it be, you know, to support the evidence you've been getting? Otherwise, it just looks kind of weird i actually wonder what else he might have had in mind i'm sure he must have thought of other ways to pay off river instead of oh she's going to end up being amy and rory's daughter and she's going to end up really being the doctor's wife and all that stuff it makes me wonder what else he might have had in mind i think probably when they did silence of the library i think he probably figured she'd be his wife at some point i don't think i don't think he had amy and rory of course in mind yeah no no um, but I, I see what you're saying. All right. Well, let, let's, let's talk umbrella about the whole season here. All right. So um, why don't we, why don't we zip through? We, we did asylum. We did asylum. So yeah, I would, I would, I would generally give it, you know, that was, that was enjoyable despite my, my retro Dalek disappointment. Um, and, uh, yeah. And the Clara thing was a really cool reveal. And, and that was a big surprise getting to see Clara way before we thought we'd Absolutely. ever see her. That yeah. was, that was 
it's nice to be because like I say, I'm a spoiler freak. I need to spoil myself and mm-hmm. ruin my enjoyment. But I had no idea. I was like, holy cow, what's this gal doing there, here? There you go. It's right. very fun. Yes. And she doesn't even get to, to meet anybody. except. And her. that's why they were being so clever on the they wouldn't confirm her name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So yep. She was Osmond Oswald at the time, wasn't she? Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, no, that, you're right. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty satisfying. It was a little weird with the, uh, the Dalek parliament. I thought it was a little bit kind of odd, but other than that, you know, a lot, lot of fun, always good for, uh, a, <laughs> it was kind of a prison break kind of show, which I like. So, um, so then we move on to dinosaurs on a spaceship. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners did not get to see the look on Kevin's face. <laughs> that was fine. I liked uh, Rory's dad. It was nice to yeah, him. Yeah, he, he was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked him a lot. Well, we, we know him as Peterson from Red Dwarf. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was so cool. It's I remember when I saw him in Shakespeare in Love, I was like, look at Peterson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In an Oscar movie. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, no, he did a, he did a fine job. I liked him a lot and, uh, it had scope. I'll give it that. I love the concepts in it. I love the idea that this was a Silurian vessel and it was like their arc and, uh, it was kind of lost and everything. I was expecting to see some Silurians show up at the end and we got a little lost there. Anyway, I don't think I even watched that a second time. You don't remember the part that it was a Silurian arc? I don't even remember that. No. Amy finding the, the video of the old Silurian describing what was going on before. Okay. Kind of. Anyways, it was a while ago, and like I, I never after I watched it, I didn't have a need to watch it again. I you hear know? you. It's it's just it's like a fun episode. It's not anything terribly in depth. The one thing I liked about it was it reminded me a lot of a Doctor Who comic strip. I totally see that. Yeah, because you have the gang and you have all these other characters guest starring, and I thought to shake this up and make it kind of fun. It, it's all right. It's entertaining. It's not the greatest episode ever, and it was a little cold hearted of him to essentially kill the bad guy with the missiles at the end. Uh, I liked that. Mm-hmm. I remember liking that. I know the doctor's capable of it. I'm not saying it was like, oh no, I, I wasn't up in arms about it, but I was like, ooh, they're they're kind of pushing it here. It kind of takes me back to remember Christmas Invasion. Yeah, and the tenth doctor's like, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. And then uh, he gets the Sycorax captain down, and then he surrenders, and the doctor walks away, and Sycorax captain comes after him with his back turned, and the doctor throws the what tangerine or whatever Mm -hmm. sends the guy to his doom and the doctor says no second chances i'm that kind of man right and he isn't (laughs) he's always he's second third chances (laughs) and then and this is the first time we've seen Mm -hmm. something like that so it made me very happy yeah no no sometimes he's he's gotta he's gotta get a little harsh with these guys right now i that was fine with me i um i again entertaining i would give it maybe like a six or seven out of ten you know I'd be about there. Um, so, Town Called Mercy. <laughs> the Western. The, our first Western since the Gunfighters. I was really disappointed. I uh, I thought it'd be cooler. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> slow. <laughs> That's the quote from Kevin. I was disappointed. Thought it would be cool. I did. I mean, I, 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 I'm older now, and I appreciate the idea of a good Western. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think... Uh, I thought it was very slow. Yeah, um, I, and then we go we go right from him uh, killing that bad guy to about to shoot this guy and Amy talking him out of it. Right, I remember right. that because mm-hmm. there's a lot of ambiguity of is the cyborg really bad? Is he really a victim? Is this guy they're protecting who's a scientist? Is he really worth protecting? Is he really the bad guy? And this went back and forth and back and forth, and I'm all for a good 
character study and, and, you know, let's examine these motivations. But unfortunately it made it kind of a murky episode um, where you, it, it made it hard to root for anybody. And at the end you're just like, you know, you want to throw your arms up going like, I don't know, let them work it out, get out of here. You know, you're like, <laughs> Um, because it started out so cool. I love the idea of like a, a Western town that's a base under siege kind of thing. And yeah. you have a cyborg and there's the doctor. And I thought, oh, maybe we'll get a little fun gunfighters reference in here, mm. which they didn't do. But um, anyway, I um, that's another one that I didn't watch again, I don't think. Yeah, it, no, it was no hurt, no urge. I, I found it disappointing. It, it didn't really deliver. And it's so funny because I know a lot of my um, British friends really like this one. And really? most Americans I know don't. I, I was very disappointed with it. I, I it's one of my it's one of my lows from season seven. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, and then we get the power of three. I remember really liking the idea of the cubes. Mm -hmm. I thought that was and uh, did they all count down like at the same time? Is that what they did? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I I liked the idea. The mm -hmm. episode itself was very slow. Uh, again, I liked Rory's dad a lot. I liked yeah. seeing Peterson again, and I thought he. I mean, the idea that he sat and watched that cube for, what, a day and a half? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever it was. Mm -hmm. and that was kind of fun. Um, and, of course, we all knew that the pawns were leaving in the next episode. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the whole sad... At the end of this, at the end of the episode, it's the power of... It's the, it's the three of us. We're great mm -hmm. together. Right, And right. we all know it's going to go downhill. Um, I remember being pretty disappointed in the... Because... It doesn't, isn't it resolved by the doctor uh, goes to that spaceship, waves a sonic screwdriver a little bit. They rush. Yeah, the ending's very rushed. That, that's its chief fault is that that and the is, fact that is Rory in the in the ship. Is is he who they go save? That's the dad. Is the dad? Yeah. And then they leave the other people there to die when the ship gets blown up. Yeah, they leave the other people. The doctor waves the sonic, and then although they save everyone on Earth, um, everyone's basically been in cardiac arrest for probably like five minutes, and that's. You know they do revive, but it, they make it impl they imply that oh we revive them in time, and I'm like well I'll go with this, but it seems like the, a lot of people would already be dead. Like, you, you're technically too late. So there, there's some there's some fidgetiness with the ending. I'm not happy with. But that aside, I really enjoyed it. I, I liked the character stuff. I liked the change of pace of the Doctor being on on Earth in their world for once. I liked yeah. the weirdness of the cubes and it was like another like another character study, but it was one that I enjoyed. Yeah, I, I thought it was different. It was it was interesting. I mean, it, it drew me in and it kept me kind of intrigued, which Town Call Mercy did not. So I I give it higher marks than most people tend to, but um, I enjoyed it. I actually it's it's one of the more memorable ones for me of the first half of the season. Um, so I, I like it, but I know what you're saying. It's not without fault. It's not perfect, but, uh, um, and why have we not had toy cubes yet? That's what I want to know. I know <laughs> that's that, an interesting, no, seriously, that's, smart. that's if, very smart. If we have the cubes from doctor's wife, then where are the black plastic cubes from power of three? Do we have the cubes from the doctor's wife? The male cubes? The, yeah, yeah, they're out. Nice. Yeah. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. Oh yeah. No, they glow and you can pat them and they change color and everything. Nice. I'm just telling you. Right? Cool. They're out there. Um, so the uh, the mini finale, Angels Take Manhattan. <laughs> it's it's something that I've I don't know if we've discussed so much. The, the I mean, it's so contrived. It's so contrived. The very end. Mm -hmm. They can't. The, the pawns simply cannot take a train out of New York and go to California where the doctor can meet them and, and leave. Right. Because it would destroy the universe. Yeah. I, <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. It was very convenient. Unless you want to go with the thought process that 
the doctor acknowledges that Amy's getting older. She has to use glasses and, and whatnot, and mm-hmm. he's like he and he notices. And again, the doctor sees his companion, and like River says, he doesn't like goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And he sees them changing, and it's a sign of getting older. It's a sign that eventually they will be gone from him, whether by death or what other way. And he just makes the decision to not go save them because he'll eventually have to miss them again and it will hurt. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Which I would be fine. If if they made a stronger push to that, where the doctor consciously chose yeah. not to, I would I would be fully on board with that. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. You're right. But the the reason they gave was flimsy and you know, considering the events of the other Angel episodes, I mean they're almost kind of trying to say that Amy and Rory get killed by the Angels. But the way that angels kill you isn't really a death it's like a displacement so you know in essence they're kind of okay we did deserve i think to get the unfilmed scene with rory's dad i thought that was uh, yeah that would have been very very sweet very yes. nice i think we needed that after establishing man that. gosh you just reminded me of that that yeah. was so good it, yeah it was a good scene and i think we needed that closure after establishing that character and growing to like him over two episodes that, you know, just to show that, hey, there's people back in the present that are going to miss them, too, that need that. need that. And I can't believe they didn't shoot it or at least put it up online. I mean, I know they did it as a storyboard, but shoot it and keep it as a DVD extra or something. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of the Statue of Liberty being a weeping angel. Oh. Uh, but I don't like the idea that it ever moved. Yeah. I, li- I liked that somewhere somebody was always looking at the Statue of Liberty and that's why it never moved. You could say that. I I guess they I guess they had to do it because all the fans would be asking. But they they I think it had had it just been the joke at the beginning. I'd have been like, all right, whatever. But the fact that we had it there again, hanging out there while Amy and Rory are having that long conversation, it got a little comical for a very scene that was, silly. Yeah, it got a little comical for me. It reminded me of uh, Ghostbusters two. Totally. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, no, we've over we've we've gone over the line. Um, yeah, I didn't care for that at all. I, um, that, that whole concept of a hotel with angels, this is where they, they get people and, and farm them. It's like their, their battery hotel or something. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't on board with a lot of that. There, there was some weird, look, Blink is like perfection for Doctor Who. And every time he's brought the angels back, I feel like Moffat is like, is like, he's selling the well a little bit. He's not. When, when they came back for the, for the two-parter. Time of Angels. Um, he changed the mythos a little bit. Yeah. It's like any image of an angel becomes an angel. Yeah. Which is a huge stretch in itself. Huge, huge. And then he, what else did he do? He made a further change with this one, didn't he? Uh, well, I mean, every time they come back, yeah, he's, well, except for the little appearances, like in God Complex, obviously. But like with this, yeah, it was, it was weird. How, well, forget the Statue of Liberty. It was the idea that they would be consciously harvesting people was a little strange too, but he was always trying to say it in blink that those were scavenger weeping angels. They're, they weren't them at full strength or something. Right. Right. But I don't know. It, it's just, well that and um, in the beginning when he had one captive, that was also a little bit strange. Remember? And uh, it had river by the, by the arm. And they couldn't get it to move, which I also thought was weird. And then the doctor. Oh yeah. And then did she break her wrist? Is yeah. That what she did. That's right. And, uh, and um, the doctor then heals her. Wow, the regeneration energy. Uh, yeah, I hate it. God, 
just quit with the regeneration energy. It's like it, but that that kind of thing bugs me because that's very. It feels like you're not paying respect to the the previous years. It's like, look, if the doctor could do that all the time, don't you think he would have done it? Don't you think at some point Hartnell or <laughs> Baker or McCoy would have been healing somebody? No. Uh, there's no need. No, totally. It's it's BS. Or the whole 15 hours after regeneration thing. It's like, ugh. Anyways, yet another reason I didn't care for it. The whole, uh, that whole thing. And, and they really overplayed the, the husband-wife thing. You know, like, oh, just wait till my husband gets home. And he's checking himself in the mirror. I didn't care for any of that. I thought that was all kind of I did like domestic. the... Um Speaking of domestic, mm-hmm. I, I liked the the storyline between Rory and Amy, how they were getting divorced, and and uh, mm-hmm. I I like how they came together, mm-hmm. and I like how she. Uh, oh, that, that that started in the other one, right? That was in Asylum. Asylum. Although, uh, what I wish they would have done is not left the setup of that to the online prequels. Yeah. Um, I wish that it really felt like it came out of nowhere if you hadn't seen a Pond's life. And even with a Pond's life, it kind of comes out of nowhere in part five. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I have. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I very much liked the Rory's going to sacrifice himself to okay. make it all better. Yeah. And I liked, and I liked Amy saying we're in this together mm-hmm. and truly showing that she does love Rory, which she doesn't do a whole lot mm-hmm, in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was very sweet. So, uh, emo- emotional uh, finale for the pawns. Uh, a little weak on why he couldn't rescue them. Agreed. Um, yeah, I've got too many problems with the episode to truly embrace it and love it like some people did. But it's, you know, it, it, it's got some good stuff. It packs a wallop. I would, it's another one for me that, like, the good and the bad collide and make it a fair episode for me. And uh, more along the lines of her giving her all for Rory is when she lets the thing take her back. Luckily... Uh, the angel took her back to the same time that Rory yeah, was. agreed. Because yeah. it could have sent her anywhere. Mm-hmm. What a kind angel. <laughs> what a kind weeping angel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me wonder, like, are there any other stories where the doctor goes back to 1938 that that's going to retcon as well? And uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. When was when was Daleks Take Manhattan? That was 20s, huh? Yeah. No. No, it was 30s, but it wasn't 38. It was uh, earlier. It was, during, it was more during the, the earlier part of the Depression. Um, but anyway, so I guess uh, another scriptwriter is going to have to worry about that one later. Um, uh, so now we get into what I call uh, the beginning or the changeover into season 7B uh, with the Christmas special, The Snowman. Um, I liked a lot. I liked uh, the Doctor's TARDIS being up the clouds. I thought it was uh, very beautifully visually done yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where she went up into the clouds with him. I thought that was really cool. Really nice. Um, gosh, this, it was it was great to see the great intelligence. Yeah, so fantastic to, to see him come back. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you? What are your thoughts on it? Um, it it's got a good pace. I think Richard E. Grant made for a very good villain. Um, that's it, when we saw the new TARDIS for the first time. Yes, we get that's actually a big changeover. We get a new console room. We get a new um, first time we see the Doctor change into what I call the Dickinsonian outfit. Um, we have a uh, first proper, well, I, I consider it the first Clara episode, even though it's not modern Clara and, um, new opening titles and theme. Yes. Which I am a big fan of. I, those, these might be my favorite opening titles and themes since the show came back. Cause, uh, and it's not just cause we have the face, which is awesome, but I really like this version of the theme. It's much more along the lines of what I've always wanted the opening titles to be. 
um, when it came back because I love the Vortex, but I feel like they're not adding anything new to the Vortex. So I like the idea that we're getting like cool spacey stuff. I'm totally on board with that. And I, I love the TARDIS. Yes, this TARDIS is pretty awesome. It's a little more tech, which I like. It's not so um, coral and junky as the last two have been, which... I wasn't 100% behind, but don't get me wrong. They're impressive. And I like the multi-level thing, which they've maintained in this and, and all yeah. that. But, uh, and I, did you notice they did a neat thing now where, um, right by the door, there's like these, um, kind of tubes so that when you have the, the actual prop of the TARDIS, they can actually build that into within the prop. So it's not like they're having to do like a fake backdrop anymore. There's actually like a little, little cube entryway where, it, it more convincingly tells you that, oh, it's still the TARDIS. Oh, but now it's mm, inside. I you see what you mean, about? yeah. Yeah. That was actually kind of a clever bit of design, I thought. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think Clara was well-written. It, 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 it's fun. It doesn't totally... It's another one of these things that, if you really look at that plot, it doesn't totally hang together, um, which is unfortunate. But uh, And I didn't understand why Clara had to die again. And as I understand it, um, originally that was going to be the Clara that would have traveled with him. Yeah. And at the last minute, Moffat changed his mind and decided to kill that one and do a modern Clara instead. Um, which is unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, uh, it was entertaining. I remember liking it at the time on subsequent reviewings. It's one of those ones where I'm like, well, don't think about it too hard. Basically <laughs> is that, I mean, the, the whole issue of the snowman, it's like, it's possessed snow, but it's alive snow and they don't really get into that. It's very odd. And what is the deal with the great intelligence? And that's sort of how it gets created. But you know, how does it get created? Did it get created from the snow or did it get created because of Simeon? And it's just a lot of vagueness. And then they do do a light connection to, um, web of fear, which is cool, but I was surprised we didn't connect it more to abominable snowman, which is the next time you're supposed to see him. I find the, the snowmen themselves to be just embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, if you, if, if I'm looking through a magazine and I see the doctor and, and, and a snowman behind him, I mean, if, a fr uh, someone that I knew, a friend of mine who didn't watch Doctor Who would be like, well, what's that? I would, I would be like, it's Doctor Who. I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I would quickly, I mean, it's just, it's just very, very silly. Mm -hmm. I, I do not like the snowman. Right. Especially when they, they, what is it? They psychically melt them a couple of times, but other times they're, they're like impossible to stop. And then the, the ice governess too is a bit odd. Oh you know? yeah. And there's just some odd well, stuff that, in there. Yeah. Yeah, but for me, I mean, the main issue with me is just that they look stupid. <laughs> okay. All right. Frosty the Snowman on drugs, right? Uh, yes, on okay. LSD. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so now we get into the Season 7B proper, uh, which premiered with The Bells of St. John. I, saw, I thought Bells was, was pretty good. Yeah, it's one of my favorites of the season. I really like that one. Um, I think it, uh, it, again, it moves at a great pace. Um it hangs together pretty well. I like the um, I liked how the doctor uh, turned their technology against them at the end. Yeah, and put her in there so that you release one per. You put the bad gal mm -hmm. in there so you have to you release everyone if you release somebody, and of course right. she's going to want it. So I like that. Had a good had a good wrap up. I liked how this Clara got to meet the doctor and how the the title is referring to his telephone ringing in the TARDIS. Yeah. Thought that was kind of cute. Is this the one? I forget. Is this the one where we first see him? Yeah, we see him tracking her down from from the parents, right? Where we see him kind of stalking her throughout her early time. No, that's the next one. Is it the next one? It's Bell. It's Rings of Akaton. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, I quite enjoyed Bells. Bells might be my favorite of the season. 
the more I'm thinking about it, the more of the whole season or the... I'm thinking it might be. I'm like, I'm looking at these titles and I'm like, you know, yeah, I like asylum and yes, I like power of three and cold war and hide were fairly good, but yeah, bells is the one that I have like the least problems with. It's like the one that, and I might be swayed by the fact that I saw it at WonderCon with a mm. bunch of big, you know, Whovians and we were all really into it. And it was a big deal, but, um, yeah, I, I might give Bells my, my A plus vote. I mean it's the A plus. Come on. Now. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that one. I mean look. Don't don't give it higher than an A, please. Dude, are you giving Asylum an A plus? I'm not saying pluses. Nobody should say pluses <laughs> unless, unless something is stellar. Unless it's Genesis and the Daleks or something. Is that it? Do I have the right? Do I have the right? <laughs> um uh, all right, it's an A. It's an A. Is that okay. how people? It's it, but it is my favorite. I, like you say, Asylum is your favorite. I think Bells is my favorite. Okay. Um, so Rings of Akaton. Uh, I liked the like I said, I liked the Doctor stalking here, just trying to figure out who is she, mm-hmm. and trying and finding her from beginning to to the present time. Uh, the rest of it, I hated. <laughs> I I think I would. I think the first ten minutes are are, uh, are enjoyable. You're right. There's a there's a nice delight. And seeing the almost like how they started the movie up, where you see this nice little montage of, of uh, Clara's parents and so forth, and I like the idea that they're on a weird alien asteroid with all these cool alien beings and stuff. That, that was pretty neat and very lush and expensive looking. And then yes, it quickly devolves into sludge. It's, it's how a- how do you get Kevin to hate an episode of Doctor Who with kids more? <laughs> Make those kids sing. <laughs> nope. I, I don't know many who like this episode. There are a few I know, but not many. It's it's it. You know what? Think things just seem to happen. There's not a whole lot of connectivity for me. The the bad guys, those weird guards who are chasing her down, serve like no purpose. They're kind yeah. of there and then gone. And then the 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 flip that the monster is really not the monster. He's like the 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 alarm clock. And the monster's really this planet who looks like a giant jack o' lantern. And the doctor basically rants and speeches at it to there's no stakes it's like he does his thing where i give you a big story and then he's kind of like oh i'm a little weak but i'm okay and he did do one of those big speeches at the end didn't he he did and uh and then the leaf is what saves everybody yeah oh gosh yeah i hated that and i and and space bikes from flash Gordon. i thought you would appreciate that um another moffat thing is taking an idea like this leaf is so powerful mm-hmm. because of what happened when it what it touched once, mm-hmm. which no. <laughs> and I mean, you can do that a couple of times because uh-huh. the whole blink living uh, angels living on potential energy, that's that's pushing it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? The angels are cool, so I'll. But but if you keep doing this shit, I'm just. It's hard. To take shit seriously. Yeah, I know. Well, season six was doing a lot of this with, you know, the the father, Craig's father's love is what defeats the Cybermen in closing time. And that <laughs> whole abstract faith and, and 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 no faith is what defeats the um the uh you know the Minotaur and God complex. And uh, night terrors, it's another thing where basically a father's love is what defeats these the the creatures in night terrors. And um I'm all for doing that once in a while. Just yeah. for the for the theme of it. Sometimes, though, if you do it too much, it feels like not only is it repetitive, it just starts to feel kind of 
lazy. It, it just doesn't. It, I, here's my thing. Old Doctor Who never had to do that. Old Doctor Who would have to find some kind of concrete way to resolve something. You know, usually with the Brigadier or usually with inventing a, a device or tricking the bad guy into doing something. You know, it, it, it made more narrative sense. And I don't like abstracty things, solving things, when it doesn't really apply to the real world. And I know we're in science fantasy here, but I want narrative logic, basically, is what I want. Um, but beyond that, I know what you're saying. It was it was just very disappointing. It just The more I think about it, the more it's just an unsatisfying episode, and it kept making these odd sort of leaps that I didn't care for. And at the end, when it's the doctor making a speech and her making a speech and a leaf, and blah, it was just very disappointing. It's it's probably my least favorite of this season. If I could give something a zero, it might be Rings of Akaton. I'd give it a, a two just for the the story of him trying to track Clara down. I might go to a one. I don't know. <laughs> I real I was so, so disappointed with this episode. Yeah, it was it was bad. Yeah, so um Cold War. Cold War, uh, I liked the I liked it. I, I did like it. Um I liked seeing the the Ice Warrior again. I would have liked it if he was more hissy like the old school. I wanted the hissy voice too. But he looked cool the cgi wasn't so great yeah when, when he was without it was it was almost a little silly yeah but in the armor i thought he was badass i liked uh God, that armor design was fantastic yeah yeah um i liked that it was mostly serious throughout mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of Jokiness. silliness yeah. yeah there was that little moment with david warner talking about ultravox but uh i could go with that that wasn't too yeah bad. sure um and it was it, it was fun thinking of David Warner because did you ever listen to the Doctor Who Unbound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean they sw- that's they swore in that, didn't yeah. they? Mm-hmm. As and he was the Doctor in those audio adventures. That was that was cool. I listened yeah. to one of them, I think, and I, I he only did two while they recast in other ones. But yeah, his two were my I think they were my favorites actually out of the, all the Unbound. So it was cool they finally got him in the show proper. And I love here's my thing. Cold War to me out of all the episodes is ultra classic who it's based under siege they're all trapped in a confined space there's a monster on the loose they've got to deal with it i could so see this as a classic four-part story with some padding and and you know the build-up would have been the end of the teaser and then now you've got the 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 ice warriors captured but the reveal is no he's out of the armor and now now what's clara gonna do and all that stuff and then you raise the stakes with the nuclear bomb it's a perfect four-parter crunched into 45 minutes, <laughs> Yeah, which is part of the reason why like, I almost want this one to be a two-parter, just so we could have that nice space for it to breathe. That's my only thing with the second half of this season, is a lot of the episodes, except for Rings of Acton, uh, I w- would almost want as two-parters to let them breathe a little bit more and, and see where they could go. Um, there might be some other exceptions there, but a lot of them felt that way to me. Especially this, this Nightmare and Silver, which we'll get to. Uh, yes, agreed, totally. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, as you say, the atmosphere. I love the Ice Warrior. We did get to see a little too much of it. I think it would have been better if we kept it in the shadows. But explain this to me. If you look at the armor, it's got this sort of clampy hand. And then when you see its real hand and it grabs people's heads, it's like these long spindly fingers. And I'm like, who 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 designed this and thought those hands go into the clampy hands of the armor? That's an excellent point. I'm just, I, I just want to say Doctor Who designers, not sure if that worked. I was not too cool with that. But, um, but oh well. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, that, that played well. And at the end, again, you get a bit of a speech to save the day. But it all gets saved because uh, the Doctor refers to the Hads. Which we hadn't yeah. heard much about. That whole thing was a trout and love letter, if you ask me. But uh, yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
you and I at different times attended the Star Trek uh, original series marathon. That yes, friends at Crave Online, Brad and Athena did. Yeah, and uh, so that whole weekend, like four, was it four or five days? Five days. They watched every episode of the original series, and there was a marker board, a, a whiteboard in the back with a number of. Uh, would you say tropes? Yeah, um, things that like mm-hmm. a red shirt dying or what have you. One of them was Kirk saves the day with a speech, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and this that's what I thought of when we were talking about this one right now because yeah. that's exactly what happens. Done. But I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it in this one. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I guess so because I mean, what's he really going to do? I mean, if he had saved the day with the sonic screwdriver, it would have been even less satisfying. Ugh. Yeah. So. Um, no, I agree. I agree. In this one, it, that kind of thing can work. And uh, what, el- what else are you going to do? I mean, you can't blow up the world. and you know. So I, I, I consider Color very solid. You know, I'd give it like a 7 or an 8. Same here. Um, and then we get to Hyde, the haunted house one. Hyde uh, was very... I thought it was, I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I liked... I liked the, that gal. I liked her a lot, too. She's beautiful. She's very cute. She was very cute. Um... She's going to play... She plays Verity Lambert in the 50th anniversary, I believe. I could totally see that. I could totally see that. That's awesome. Um, she... Uh, yeah, I, I love the vibe of it. I loved... Uh, speaking of... Back to the purpose of this podcast. I would like to kiss her. Thank you, Kevin. On the lips. <laughs> <laughs> Ke- Kevin has no desire to kiss Amy or Clara, but he would love to kiss the girl in high. <laughs> Correct. All right, Kevin. No, I think she was very cute too. But here's the thing. Uh, back to the purpose of this podcast. I thought the costuming in this was great. I love the retro seventies mm. uh, thing here. Actually, I, I almost hope to see some people cosplaying these characters, and it should be super easy going to your local thrift store <laughs> to find appropriate seventies gear to to do them. Um, but yeah, I was, and it had such a her clothing to me had such a like nineteen seventy four Sarah Jane vibe, <laughs> the what she used to wear with Pertwee. Yeah, yeah. So I, I totally dug that. This um, is the seventies. You're the assistant. Yes, the seventies. You're the assistant, and I, I love the old school tape. And it, it it very much reminded me of. Uh, I mean, a lot of haunted house movies, like you know, um, uh, Legend of Hell House, and uh, also um, the Stone Tape, which was a Nigel Neal. TV movie, um, which was based on, um, hang on a second. Uh, he's the writer who did Quatermass, which uh, have you ever seen Quatermass? I have not. Oh, you should. It's really, really good. You, you like early Pertwee, do you not? Sure. Yes. Then you would like Quatermass. It's very similar in terms of tone and style. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, so I really like that. My only gripe with Hyde, I almost wish they were trapped in the house to keep it more claustrophobic. I see that. But I think it was, but it's also kind of neat they could use the TARDIS to basically do the one thing you can do with a ghost, which is use the TARDIS to, I mean, let's assume it was a real ghost. You could go back in time to when the ghost was alive and solve the problem, hmm. you know, which I thought was kind of kind of neat. But in this case, it's more of the science fiction twist, which is fine. It's always a science fiction twist in Doctor Who. It's never a vampire. It's never a ghost. Right. Or, yeah, they're like vampires, but they're really aliens that happen to resemble Absolutely, yeah. Right. Which is fine. I get that. But then uh, we get the extra tag ending, which I have to admit I hated. I just hated the monster love story last three minute tag on. I just couldn't stand that. You know what? I was fine with that. Yeah. I know some people that dug it. I think a lot of it had to do with how it was presented and it felt like such a tack on. Had it felt a little more integrated in the story, I might have forgiven it. But as is, it felt like, oh, and one more thing. This thing right here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like handing me something at the end of my meal that I didn't want there. 
Well, I will say it's not chocolate cream pie. Yes. But um, it, it's it's like one of those crappy mints you get that just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that are like chalk. You know, you're like, ugh. I mean, I wasn't overly thrilled with it. I wasn't I wasn't bummed by it. I, I like the idea that, you know what? Uh, other creatures care about their kind, too. And just humanoids aren't the only ones who love necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think the the base concept doesn't doesn't bother me. It, it just ha- I think it has much more to have to do with it felt last minute. It felt tagged on. Just when I'm ready that the this, this story has closed, you're throwing something else at me that I felt was very weakly foreshadowed. That I understand was, that, was that problem. But um, by the way, can can I just also say that the uh, the time traveler, uh, you know, that they saved, who was the great granddaughter of of the couple, um, her costume, and I don't know if you thought this, her costume felt like '70s Doctor Who. I mean, it felt like yeah. a weird cross between the Mavellans and um, the Delta and the Bannerman costumes. Maybe that was another. Sly nod. I wonder. It it really had that that weird white ruffly kind of effect. I thought, oh, I wonder if that was like a, you know, some other kind of throwback. I also, and maybe this is me being the sci-fi fan. I wanted to know where her time ship was. Yeah, because she supposedly crashed in the pocket dimension. I'm like, can we see her ship? It wouldn't take much more than a a quick, you know, you know, you know cutaway CG effect. It wouldn't be. Anyway, that's just me. My only thing with with Hyde and. I don't know how scary Doctor Who is allowed to be, mm-hmm. but if there was going to be one really scary episode, I would it, it would it would have been this one. Yeah, maybe Nightmare in Silver, which we'll obviously get again. I, but it's a haunted house. And, yeah, and uh, what was I thinking? Uh, I do think that this does redeem Neil Cross from Rings, um, and I understand he that's wrote this, right. He wrote this one first, as I understand it. Uh, so I'm like, okay, on the strength of Hyde, I'm happy to see him right again for the series but if rings had been his only script i'd have been like oh boy well if this was if hyde was his first one and rings with his his second one mm-hmm. it's maybe it's the case of he had a good one he was given another shot not so good uh, no more ideas please stay away from the pen maybe you know but uh as i understand it too uh in the case, certainly, of Rings, I believe it was a brief. It wasn't like, oh, here's my latest idea. It was, hey, here's something we want to do. Do you mind writing it? And here's the assignment. So okay. I'm not ready to totally lay the blame at his feet. Look, I love Luther. I think Luther's a great show. So yeah, I still haven't seen it. I've yeah. got it. I haven't seen it. Check it out. You know, you're really, hey, Paul McGann's in it. Anyways, Hyde. I, same thing with Cold War. I would, even even with that crappy tag <laughs> on ending to me, I would still give it like a, probably a good seven or eight. I'd go, I'd go, I'd go, yeah, seven, seven point five, yeah, yeah, something like that. So now we get to the one we were all waiting for: journey to the center of the TARDIS. That's funny because uh, on my podcast with Ralph, yeah, I was basically he's not a Doctor Who fan, so I just tell him what happened every episode when mm-hmm. when we have new episodes. And for some reason, that week that journey aired, we were talking about other stuff, ran out of time. And uh, finally, like a month later, I got caught up on my Doctor Who, and he was like, you were really building up this journey to the center of the TARDIS, and you haven't talked about it at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was fun to see the inside of the TARDIS that we did, but if we're just going to see the TARDIS pool at the end of a hallway, I don't think there's really much point in doing that. <laughs> it's too much of a tease. Wasn't there another room that we just saw yeah, in like the hallway? Yeah, like it looked like a... a a planetarium telescope or something. Yeah, yeah. Like it would be cool to be in that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I very much liked the library. Uh, now, you're yeah. just, now you're just showing off. Um, <laughs> the book I thought was cool, the Time War book, which I'm sure is uh, foreshadowing to the 50th. Yeah. Um, I liked the 
Harry Potter style liquid encyclopedias. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they do exactly that, but that's the kind of thing that Harry Potter would do. You mm -hmm. can drink an encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. Um, we kind of discussed this earlier. I didn't care much for, like you say, what did you call them? The toasties? <laughs> the Krispy Kremes. The Krispy yeah. Kremes. Uh, yeah, the, the uh, future versions of people that were, that, that were chasing each other because they were toasties. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, I felt they were superfluous. I didn't, I didn't care for them. I should see Edge of Destruction again, just to compare. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, as much as people complain about Invasion of Time and that they shot it like a health spa or something for the uh, interior of the TARDIS, and okay, yeah, that was minorly disappointing. At least I felt like, you know, the Centaurans were real bad guys and they, they had a real goal. And Yeah, the they, they were pretty badass, those Centaurans. Yeah. When they're in the pool room and they jump over the pool chair. The long chair, yeah, and he trips on it. I know, I know, I know. Go ahead and laugh, but I'm cut. Print. Let's move on. <laughs> Total Ed Wood moment. Uh, print. Move on. He just hit the door on the way in. A man his size would have problems going through doors. Terrible. I know. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I get more enjoyment out of it. Yeah, um, just because, well, probably because it's Tom, but yeah, it's, um, they do a lot of, you know, Castor Valva and Legopolis too, checking out the yeah, TARDIS. Yeah, very true. I mean, look, you know, Doctor's wife gave me more satisfaction with the interior TARDIS we got there than Journey did, which is really unfortunate because with Journey, I was hoping, I mean, look, okay, the secret fan of me was hoping for Randells. I wanted Randells somewhere. We didn't get any Randells. That's disappointment number one. Disappointment number two, useless Krispy Kreme monsters. Disappointment number three, ridiculous subplot with these scavengers and a fake robot brother and the doctor laying way too much faith in guys that clearly just want to salvage his ship. Uh, disappointment number four, ridiculous Eye of Harmony. I'm all for an Eye of Harmony in the TARDIS and supporting the TV movie, but the fact that it's basically like, what is it, like a sun turning into a black hole that's going to fry you through a catwalk. If you're you're okay for ten seconds, but if you wait for like a minute, you're dead. And I'm like, this is silly because it's like that should be shielded. It should be totally <laughs> shielded. If the TARDIS can, uh, if the TARDIS can block you from outer space problems when the doors are open, which they seem to do all the right, time now, right. then I don't see how shielding you from the Eye of Harmony is a problem. Not to mention, remember when they opened the Eye of Harmony in Deadly Assassin? That was a big deal. Like there was earthquakes, there was problems. That was not something you should do. And here they're walking into it like, oh, we just walked into this other room with a hot lamp. You know, it's it's silly. I I just I really hated that. And um, and then the engine room was just the white void with pieces in it. And I I just was generally disappointed. I guess it's like, look, the bottom line is the TARDIS is this amazing magical place, and you almost can't deliver visually on the stuff that... It's like the Clone Wars and Star Wars. Did we really need to see it, or was it better in our heads? And mm -hmm. I almost vote that maybe it's better in our heads. You know, Maybe we don't need to see this and just let us imagine the, the cooler stuff that a TV budget can't deliver on, even the current one. Yeah. Um, so yes, I was generally very disappointed with it. And But here's my thing. I love the concept. I love the premise, and I love the concept, and for that alone, I'll <laughs> give it like a three. But I was very, very let down by that episode. I would I would go higher on a three. I would say that, and this is normally the kind of thing that I would get pissed off about. Mm -hmm. I thought the big friendly button was kind of funny. It was funny, but that was a hell of a cheat. It's a cheat. It's it a is big a cheat. cheat. The only difference between that and what RTD would do is at least they telegraphed it. At least it was set up. So I'll give you that. But it was a big reset. My problem with resets, though, is what's the point of going through this adventure if it didn't happen? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah. 
All right. So what you, what are you giving it then? Like a five? Uh, I'll probably even go higher. I'll, I'll give it like a six and a half. Wow. Okay. Maybe just for the maybe just for the Time War book. Who knows? Yeah, I could that it could get four four points for the for the Time four War book. points for a Time War book that we don't even get <laughs> in to, the library that we don't even know anything about. But speaking of which, who published that book? Who decided we're going to publish a book on the Time War? Uh, that's a good question. It's not the Time Lords. Pro, I don't see the Daleks bothering. <laughs> <laughs> so who did it? Who published the? Can time you imagine the foreword? <laughs> <laughs> Dedicated to my emperor. <laughs> Love and respect. <laughs> you are my wind beneath my wings. <laughs> uh, can it be written in that old 60s Dalek font, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Crimson Horror. Um, God. Uh, well, it? as a Bond fan and as an Avengers fan... What did you think about uh, Diana, Diana Riggs? Rig? Uh, is it Rig or Riggs? Rig. Okay, Diana Riggs. I thought it was fantastic that she finally did a Doctor Who, considering that uh, you'd think she... She's one of those actresses you would have thought would have already done one back in the day, uh, in the 60s or 70s. Um, Honor Blackman, the other Avengers girl, uh, did one in the 80s, if you recall, Terror of the Riveroids. Mm. Um, so it's kind of nice to, to bring that home. She did, She had a nice part. She acted well. She got a little over the top at the end, but I think this script called for it, to be honest. Um, so I liked her. I liked her. Her daughter um, did a good job, too. Um, yeah, I no problem there. I liked... Uh, I like that flashy backy thing they do. The um, that that was tiny, cool. Yeah, that I like that a lot. Actually, yeah, that was a nice way to kind of zip through that part of the plot that normally would have been <clears> the beginning of of the standard episode. Yeah. Um, it, if you boil it down, though, that plot was very kind of kind of Moonraker, wasn't it? Um, the, you know, let's let's preserve some people, and then we're going to kill everyone else. Oh yeah, when a big rocket, it just felt it did feel a touch James Bond. I think it's funny that the Doctor wasn't attractive enough to make it to the next round. Yeah, right. He was. He's no. Sorry, you're in the reject pile. Red. Yeah, red. Yeah, that was a little bit weird. Yeah, the 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 rules of that were a little funky. But you know, um, what is it? especially when the other guy got red. He managed to walk to the room to see the doctor to get the image on his eye before he dies. I thought it was also a little bit of a yeah. convenience, yeah. but oh well, it, at least it answers the question. That's the problem with these things. You know, all these mysteries they'll set up, you know, like, oh, there's an image of the doctor in this guy's eye or, you know, whatnot. <laughs> or, oh, is the river the doctor's wife? They build them up and then the answers are always a letdown. The answers are rarely like, oh, wow, that was that was clever. That was, ooh. Yeah, it's very rare that uh, you had that. Like, how do, how do I put it? Um, at the end of The Empty Child... Um, a cliffhanger, you know, they're going to get the doctor. How's he going to get out of it? You do have a genuinely, Ooh, that was a clever way to get out of it, which is he tells them to go to their room because it goes with the logic of a kid mm -hmm. and it's simple and it's very, it's a perfect doctor who way to get out of uh, a cliffhanger in my opinion, but you don't get that most of the time. No, a lot of times you get, is it the stolen earth? Uh, which is the which is the, which is the second part where the doctor's regenerating? Oh my like, god! You like, went to the hand. Uh, zoop! Oh, I stopped regenerating, and uh, I didn't have to because I like the way I look. Oh. And uh, we're all done with that thing now. Oh, thank you for tuning in and giving us a massive rating, and uh, letting us poop on your face. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Thank you for making me remember that. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> No, you're right. Or even or even the resolution to that Cyberman story where all of a sudden is he randomly pulls out 
this device and blast it with a laser beam. Yeah. Kills yeah, that was like, weak. Yeah. Oh, now that TARDIS has to has to recharge. Yep. Like, oh, well, it was a one-time thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, was it? Jeez. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good going, Doctor. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. But um, I, I like the tone of it. I, I loved um, the Doctor has that interesting one-off outfit with the bowler hat. <laughs> Um, which I'm wondering if anyone's going to try to cosplay, actually, because um, no one's found the fabric for that. And, uh, you know, not to say you can't find something probably vaguely similar, but uh, it's also all those one-off-y kind of costumes, I always wonder if they're going to get a lot of love. But they tend to always with the companions, because there's a lot of girls who will go after companion costumes, um, even if they're only worn in one episode. But with the Doctor, people tend to want the iconic kind of stuff. Um well, we'll finish this out and then we'll come back around to the doctor's costume. Um, so yes, I I liked it. It wasn't like amazing, but it was another one that I enjoyed. So I guess I would give it like a probably a six or seven. I would I would go lower. I'd probably go like four and a half. I think I only li- I only liked the the flashback bit, and just because of its silliness, mm-hmm. I I liked. Um, th- I'm gonna t- sound like a total flip-flopper here because i've talked about how much i don't like the doctor kissing and i'm about to in this and in uh, the name of the doctor how, how i liked it but i thought it was funny when the doctor he's he's rescued jenny mm-hmm. rescued him yeah and uh you get a big kiss there's your reward from the doctor right and of course she slaps him but i i thought it was funny that was funny they never did explain why those chambers can turn you back from the red s- stiff people. I uh, assume that he did some Sonic shit. The Sonic screwdriver. I guess so. Can that's do anything you sense. want it to do. Yeah, you're right. That's the only thing that makes sense because I'm <laughs> like, why, why would they have chambers to turn you back and not use them? Yeah. No, I think he was just. I th- was it a chamber? I thought it was just like a closet or, that he went into just to zip himself. It looked sort of vaguely steampunky tech to me, but you're right. Maybe it was just a closet, a metal. I closet. could be wrong. It was very strange. Um, I, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, wait. We do have to take a pause here with this and ask what do you what, what do you make of the uh, the triad here of Vashta and Jenny and Strax, who were introduced, of course, in Good Man Goes to War, but have been becoming like these background, almost like Matt Smith's unit people. If you think about it, like you know, we saw them in the Snowman. Now we see them again here. What, what do you think? I I don't need them. Yeah, I just don't need them. I think Strax is very silly. Yeah, they really play him for far more comedy than you'd think. Well, that's straight up what he is right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't need him. Yeah. Yeah, he touches the memory worm, forgets stuff. He confuses the gender of everybody and wants to basically have a violent solution to every problem. That's him. That's that's all he does. Which, I mean, sometimes is silly. Well, it's always silly. Mm-hmm. And I guess sometimes I laugh, but even then I'm like, come on now, let's move along. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I minded them less in The Snowman had that been like a little nice Christmassy one-off appearance for them. But the fact they come back in Crimson Horror and again in Name of the Doctor uh, really made me go, wow, are they trying to set them up to be more semi-regular? Or are they, they thinking this might be the next spinoff after Sarah Jane? It feels like it. It does kind of feel like it. And I'm like, I don't... It'll I just be another spinoff that I don't watch. I yeah. mean, if I didn't watch the Sarah Jane Adventures, I'm not going to watch anything. Wow. Did you even watch the Sarah Janes where the Doctor showed up? Nope. Wow, I'm surprised you wouldn't at least give those a quick look. I should, especially because uh, I can't believe they got the Brigadier on that show and they yeah. didn't get him on Doctor Who. I know, I know. I'm surprised you wouldn't <clears> at least watch the Brig one, the Doctor's one, and the Matt Smith one also has Katie Manning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're worth a look. They're definitely worth a look. Sarah Jane, while it is very much a kiddie show, it's uh, there's a lot of areas where it feels more like classic Doctor Who to me. 
than the new who does. So sometimes it's a bit of a nice rebreather for me. But um, I mean, I just see it as right now, Doctor Who, for better or worse, worse, uh, is for kids. And Sarah Jane Adventures is for the people who can't handle the rough violence of current Doctor Who, which is for kids. So I can't. It's for younger kids. I can't dig that. Yeah. No, I, I I can hear you. I understand Sarah Jane's not for everybody, but look, I would much rather have Sarah Jane than Torchwood. I didn't watch Torchwood either. Yeah, no and Torch- I like Captain Jack. I mm-hmm. like him a lot, mm-hmm. but I just you know I saw a couple episodes and yeah, no. The, if you're gonna watch Torchwood at all, just watch Children of Earth and be done. That was the only one I kind of like. I mean, that one's like really dark, but the other ones, boy, I and that last season was so awful. Yeah, I'm such a fan that I stuck it through to the end of season four. Ugh. But moving on from that, um, I, uh, I I understand what you're saying, and I'm not the biggest fan of them either. They're, you know, when we were forced to have them carry the first, what, 15 minutes of Crimson Horror, I realized, like, I'm watching this, I'm not really engaged, because I'm not watching The Doctor. And I actually thought that Crimson Horror was going to be truly a Doctor Light episode. So did I, yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, he shows up, and he kind of stays. I'm like, oh, wow, I guess they had time to to actually have him more or less be in all 14 episodes this year, which is kind of nice. But if you think about it, they hold off introducing him in name of the doctor for a while too. And I wonder if that was their little cheat. They kind of like, you know, he just did like a, like a three quarters, half episode crimson horror and three quarters, half name of the doctor because of the way it was structured. That's that makes sense. Um, but anyway, see, so yeah, I, I, and I maybe that's why they exist to help cover that gap. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, that's what you need. And if you can't be Clara because she's with him all the time, then, you know, or like what they did in season four, right? Where we got a doctor, but no Donna with Midnight. And then the reverse for her to carry it when he wasn't there in Turn Left. Turn left. Yeah. Both of which I liked very much. Mm-hmm. But that's um, a different season for no, a different yeah, time. Yeah, different season for a different time. I'm, I'm not sure I entirely agree with that. But uh, yeah, I know. We, we, we love our Who, but we disagree on some of these episodes, which I think is kind of interesting so yeah all right so it's not the worst episode it was it's what i call like a fun filler that's how i would describe it and uh but uh, for of mark gaddis's writing i would say um cold wars is probably been my favorite yeah totally yeah because remember this is the guy who brought us victory of the daleks i didn't hate victory of the daleks really? as much as everybody did oh my god okay I guess, I, you know, uh, Ewan often says that one has a good start and then it falls apart and I can go with that. I think that's part of my thing with it. It, it has an interesting start and then by the time he gets to the Dalek ship, it just starts to completely die. And I think part of the reason I don't like it is because it starts off as such a good episode and then falls on its face. And it's like you don't like to see something that could be good. I totally understand that. Drop the ball. And I, I think I, I, I'm probably in the same boat as you, and I, I really like the first half, and mm-hmm. it does, it, it falls apart. But it's fun, you know, seeing them like, oh, because that's another one where love saves the day. That's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yes, that ain't no good. Yes. With a robot, yeah. of all things. Ooh, thumbs yes. down. Big thumbs down. But I, I mean, it, it was a fun, it was a neat little uh, callback to like, was it Evil of the Daleks, where the Daleks are the servants? Yeah. No, that was cool. I like that. Oh, these are our war machines. No, they're not. They're Daleks. Get them the hell out of here. Yeah. Oh, shut up. That's one thing, though. Uh, Winston knows that the Doctor is someone who should be listened to. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. He should have listened to him, yeah. But then you end up not only with the love saving the day, you end up with uh, bombers in space, which... 
Yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. bad. Very bad. All right, we're, we're sliding back to season five. So, Nightmare in Silver. Nightmare in Silver, I uh, was quite disappointed with. Very disappointed. I love Neil one. Gaiman. I thought the Cybermen were awesome. Cybermen looked great. I, uh, as, mu- as silly as the idea is, uh, it's a cool visual visual with uh, the Cybermen playing chess mm-hmm. automated. I, th- I thought that looked cool, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't supposed to really be a Cybermen. Mm-hmm. I thought Warwick Davis was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really hate those kids. Yeah, those kids were awful. Those kids what? should... We're on another planet far away? I'm bored. <laughs> No, I'm going to go just meander with this military group over here and see what they're doing. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's the emperor. You guys didn't figure that out? (laughs) What are you doing? You know, she hasn't had that. I'm just like, what? Am I the only one paying attention? I thought, um, I thought that could have been scarier, though. I uh, agreed. Agreed. If, they, if mean, the intent was to make them scarier, they they failed. Um, well, well, maybe they're scarier than they were. Cybermen have have always been. Cybermen are my favorite monster, mm-hmm. and I've and I'm find them the scariest mm-hmm. because they could turn me into one of them, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be one of them. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think of the uh, super flash fast Cyberman at the beginning? No, no, no. Yeah. See, I thought that didn't work. Uh, yeah. I well, I mean, I th- I thought it. I accepted that it happened. I thought it worked. I'm just like, well, you don't want to. D- it doesn't Cybermen like- are scarier when they're <laughs> slowly, constantly like Jason in Friday yeah. the 13th, yeah. stalking. They're stalking you. Yeah. They don't have to be loud. I think they could have been on silent mode or something. But I do think I agree. They're they're scarier when they're slow because you can't stop them. You know. Cyber mites. I liked those. Those were interesting. Yeah, they, but very much, if oh, you think about it... No. No. Well, no, go ahead. No, if you think about it, they were trying to upgrade the whole cyber concept to they they are now constantly upgrading in the field as opposed to, okay, we de- you defeated this army, we're going to go back to the drawing board now and kind of figure out our next stage of evolution when we convert the next batch, which is how I always interpreted the Cybermen. And okay, I can see how cyber, if you think about it, cyber rights would be far more effective than a cyber mat. Um, especially because they're almost working like nanotechnology and, and converting you now on the fly. I get all that. I can I can kind of swing with that. Although, what was up with the new uh, term for, what they call it? The cyber... <sighs> my God. It's such an odd term. I was wrapping my head around it during the episode. Cyber, cyberteriot or something like that. You know, the, the Siberiat. You know, it was what he was calling, I think, the hive brain of the Cybermen. I don't recall. Yeah, he kept referring it to that, and that was very odd to me because they never called it that before. And I kept going, like, why are we calling it the cyber planner when he should be the cyber controller? Like, why are we changing all these terms suddenly? Because yeah. it's throwing me off. And that, yeah, in turn, you said Siberia. They they didn't they didn't mention Mondas at all, did they or did no. they? Mm-mm. But they they why were they saying because uh, they, they should have been right? Because Mondas or Telos or one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where I was. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, when we started talking about the cyber mites, then I remembered that the doctor gets infected, and yep. he, uh, I thought that was terrible. I thought it was really stupid. That was really over the top. Mister Clever, no. I hear you. Um, I, uh, I I like the idea of what the doctor would do if they try to convert him. Um, although to be honest, the whole rule that oh. Um, you couldn't have converted me before because you only convert humans was something I thought he invented on the fly because I, I didn't know that before. I thought they could convert anybody. Yeah. 
Um, so I thought, okay, well, if you if you have to cover it, cover it. But um, yeah, when it turned into basically him talking to himself, it, it did get a bit strange. And then he manages to take it out with gold for a minute, but then it doesn't hold, and then he's got to zap it with the the palm print thing. I I don't know. It it was just it felt very. We made this up as we went along. Which yeah. is, again, it's it's disappointing as an episode. It's it's very disappointing as a Cyberman episode, even further so much as a Neil Gaiman episode. Because yeah. I, cause I really enjoyed uh, The Doctor's Wife. Doctor's Wife was fantastic. Yeah. 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 So. It's in my top three of Matt Smith's episodes. And <clears throat> I think we all were hoping he would pull out some awesomeness with the Cybermen. And, yeah, it's yeah. like, man, it's dream come true. Dream come true, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and that, that, that weird army... Uh, punishment platoon was just weak. I mean, very poorly conceived. And and at the end, when for once love doesn't conquer all, they do blow up the planet. A bomb conquers all. <laughs> so for once we get the opposite. We get tech solving the issue. But it did feel like for once, it was almost like it was too easy. It was like, oh, so they just blew up the planet. I'm like, that's a, that's a lot of casualties to... I mean, maybe it's not populated, but that's that's pretty extreme to just blow up the planet to take these guys out. Like, I don't know. It, it just felt like, um, how should I put it? I didn't want love conquering all, but I was expecting the doctor to have a cleverer solution to deal with it than just yeah. let's blow them up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's like a brigadier <laughs> solution. It's not <laughs> so much of a, a, yeah. And the randomness of, uh, Warwick Davis proposing to Clara at the end, which I understand was a nod to the whole Leela thing, uh, in the old show, but it, it, I don't know. It's like it, to me, it's like, no, it doesn't work. It, it works equally as badly as Leela going off with Android at the end of the Invasion of Time. This is not something you want to homage. This is something that, you know... Well, I think maybe even just forgetting Leela, but in, in just in terms of, uh, from Warwick's character's perspective, mm -hmm. this uh, cute gal, and she dug me before she realized I was the Emperor. Okay. And I would like somebody cute and who likes me for me. Did you get the impression the way she just just randomly took charge of that platoon thanks to the psychic paper that that part might have been written for Amy initially before they changed it? Um, no. In fact, I think Neil has said he wrote that for Victoria and Clara. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's why the kids are in it, which is why I still believe that once it was changed, the kids needed to be written out. Because I, I really felt like, yeah, they were a big drag in the story. Not to mention how they got them in the TARDIS was so tacked on to the end of Crimson Horror. It was very bad. And clearly it overran because, and you're right, this one did demand two parts to let it breathe. Because we missed like a crucial scene of them even getting in the TARDIS and deciding where to go. And apparently those scenes were shot. and they had Really? Them. Yeah. Oh, wow. So suddenly they land and there they are. And it felt very like, wait, it really does feel like you skipped a beat or two. You're like, wait a minute. Um, so yeah, not a big fan of that at all. So I... On the on the sheer hopes crashing and burning scale, it uh, it that also comes in at like a like a two for me. I hate to say it. Wow, you're you're really harsh. Yeah, maybe a three. I might get it. I might. I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'll go to five. I five five for me is just like the average. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could be a jerk and say since it's Neil, it should have been better, so I'll give it a four. But I mean, just it's just like average. Average. All right. I mean, okay, look, you're right, you're right. I shouldn't give something a zero when a zero, a true zero should be like Delta and the Bannerman. Um, and you're right, these aren't... Maybe I should go four, though, because I hated Mr. Clever so much. <laughs> I really hated that. Okay, all right. Did, did you see how he was trying to impersonate Eccleston and, uh, and Tennant in there? Uh, like, kind of a little. Yeah, a little. Mm -hmm. So, now, uh, the finale. Okay, well, I... 
I mean, I have to give this an overall positive just because of the old footage. Mm-hmm. And I just got to say, man, the Fifth Doctor is so lucky that Clara went up to a window and yelled his name while he was in that web in Ark of Infinity. <laughs> and the Second Doctor and Eighth Doctor, apparently in their same adventure, are so lucky that, that Clara yelled at them as they ran by her. Yes, somewhere it appears on Venice Beach. Um, that's what it looked like. Some people me. said it looked like Comic-Con. Really? San Diego, which I, 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 I see that. No, Palm Tree. Definitely California. Definitely California. I, I don't know. But yeah, I wondered. And even I was going like, is this a nod to a novel I haven't read? Uh, and I missed the Eighth Doctor first time there, I saw there it. Because he's so fast. Yeah. S- Chad Knoop. Yeah. Is that how you say his last name? You know, I've known him for years. Is that Knoop? K-N-U-P-P-E? So. Uh, he's, there is a lot of this that compare, this episode that compares to uh, a novel. Yeah. I don't know if it's the timelines or if it's the Tomb of the Doctor. It's the Tomb of the Doctor, yeah. It's a Lawrence Miles book. There you um, go. That's the one. That I <clears throat> haven't read. I think it's called Alien Bodies. That sounds right. Yeah, um, I need now. Now that I'm, now I'm intrigued. Now I want to go read the book because everyone says the book is better, and I'm like, I can believe it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Um, well, here's. Uh, I will admit, when I first saw it, and we open, and we're getting Gallifrey a long time ago, and there's Hartnell. It was a big. <gasps> it was a bit of a. It's Hartnell, um, <laughs> and uh, that that was kind of neat, and we get to see some other doctors. That's cool. I wish, you know, there's a part of me that when I see that kind of thing, though, uh, and we saw how brilliant it was done on Trials and Tribulations on Deep Space Nine with merging the original series yes. and that. You want it to look that good. Yeah. But it didn't look that good and I kept going like, is this because it was done really fast and on the cheap? Is it because you're fighting the footage of that day? It's not as good as the Trek footage? Is that what's going on? I don't know. That it, That's a little niggle for me, but I'm like, but still, it was nice to see we got a little Baker, we got Davison, but you're right. It, it doesn't really hold that you're like, yeah, what is she doing when uh, Sylvester McCoy is hanging off the cliff at Dragonfire? <laughs> yes. What? what Doctor! I know. Shut up! I'm trying to hold on for my life. <laughs> you're going to yell at me? What is she doing? What What good is she doing? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Very strange. And she yells after Pertwee after he drives by her. What, what, what good does that do? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's very strange. The Hardnell one at least makes sense. You see what she had to do. But did she have to do that? Why? What was wrong with that TARDIS? How does she know that this TARDIS... First it, of all, how does she know that it's not the TARDIS that he takes? That's a good point. It's not like we saw the Great Intelligence move him to the wrong TARDIS, right? Right. Which is what we presume happened. And you know what? The Great Intelligence, they're pretty badass. Yeah. So she went back and she just beat the great intelligence at every single moment, thousands of times. Yes, thousands of times. Um, and another point, uh, I I have a, this is a legitimate concern is she doesn't know who she is, or she does know who she is, or is it half and half when she's traveling? She jumps in. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. Does she say, I don't know she who I am? She says it in the weird cavern part. Uh, but consider the fact that every time he met her beforehand, she didn't know, she it's it, she didn't seem to have a conscious idea that, oh, I'm here to save you. She's like, oh, I'm just living my life. And she's sort of drawn to him and she'll do something. But it, both in Asylum and in The Snowman, it's not like, 
she seemed to know. Maybe Especially it, in Asylum. Like I said, I went back and looked at that. She's bawling when she's in that TARDIS, yeah. or in, the, in that Dalek. Yeah, if anything, maybe but, she has a flash at the end when she's going to die. There's that weird run, you clever boy moment. You think maybe at, at the moment of her death, she might remember. And that's really maybe. us fantasizing yes, about we're, what it's... We're, we're imposing there. I, I don't know. You're, you're trying... I know, I know. It's it, It's a... It's an interesting idea on paper. I don't think it totally plays out. I don't think it totally follows through. And that's its that's its problem. Um, as a way to answer what Clara is, it almost works. But I feel like, you know what it is? It's such a massive retcon to the entire history of the show that in the background, through all the adventures, seen and unseen, the great intelligence went back and stopped somehow stopped or killed the doctor. Not to, they, they claim he killed the doctor. He's killing him over and over again. Yeah, and, like, and the scars, stars disappeared. And the stars are disappearing. Yeah. It, although I keep thinking, why doesn't he go back to when he's Hartnell and just make sure he's dead then and save himself all these other problems? You know, or, or not to mention, if he's killing him as Hartnell and Trouton and Pertwee, who's he got to kill when he's Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy? I mean, there's all those kind of things going yeah. on. But okay, all right. Well, I guess you can go with the whole idea of time travel being simultaneous. And then she walks in a good, what, five minutes later and does the same thing but reverses all that somehow by just yelling at the doctor? Yeah, it's, it, it does it's, not work for me. I, I understand the idea. That the idea makes sense to me that that's how she gets scattered across the doctor's yes. timeline. Okay, sure. But being first of all, just being able to defeat the great intelligence once. Mm-hmm. One girl against the evil, mighty great intelligence. Yes. Uh, is stretching it to do it thousands of times is no, no, thank you. Yeah. Are we supposed to believe then when he faces the great intelligence and web of fear and abominable snowman that that's the great intelligence going back in time trying to kill him? Or that's just when he happened to face it before somehow in Um, his timeline before the snowman, but to the great intelligence between the snowman and the bells of St. John. I think it could, it could honestly be either. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it would have been nice to have had some Yeti action, I would say. But uh, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, he has the Whispermen. The Whispermen uh, look cool, sound cool, uh, woefully underused. I yeah. don't know exactly. Someone else uh, on the forum had a very interesting point about the monsters in the Moffat era. That a lot of them tend to show up just to be menacing for two or three minutes, and then they kind of disappear, either of their own volition or by the Doctor maybe speeching at them. And they're not truly defeated. Like, if you look at it, the, the Whispermen just, def- they go away because the intelligence is basically one. And those weird guard things and rings of Akadin, they're there, and then they kind of vanish just because yeah. the, the Smilers and the Beast Below, they're kind of there, but they don't really do that much. You know what I mean? Like, they're there to be, like, window dressing and menacing, but they're not really something the Doctor tends to directly confront. Right. Yeah, or have to truly defeat, which I think is kind of interesting. The angels are a definite, I think, exception to that. But certainly, yeah. But it's an interesting way to look at it. Um, so yeah, there's there's just some odd stuff here. I mean, aside from um, trying to figure out that, here's my other huge thing. He he really is clear that if you go into my timeline, it will it will destroy you, it will rip you apart, it will spread you across my timeline like confetti. You will be dead. Your echoes will be there doing, I guess, stuff, but you will be dead. So, it's it's so silly because it's obviously. This is the name of the doctor. Okay, let's wrap this up quick so we can go uh, introduce John Hurt. Uh, here's a leaf. I saved you because I'm the doctor and I can do that stuff. <laughs> and uh, Here's a leaf. <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. Um, yeah, true. No, but I'm saying that 
clearly we're supposed to believe the great intelligence. That was the end of the great intelligence. This is oh, this is the swan yeah. song of the great intelligence. Clara, I'm sorry, based on what he just said, should be dead. I don't understand how she survived and ended up in a weird cavern. No, that's what I'm saying though. Yeah. Is is that it's just a that's not the story. So the doctor saves her quick. Let's move on with the real story. Right. Yes. Let's set up John Hurt. Yes, yeah. I know. And it's very that that was very disappointing. I wish he just hadn't said that. I wish he had just said, "You go into my time stream, you do some stuff, and then maybe I can go in." And not to mention, if the doctor goes into his own time stream, then he too should be dead. It's so interesting. I mean, my passions uh, having similarities like that happens in pro wrestling all the time. Really, this character is doing this now. What the mm-hmm. hell are you talking about? We had all this set up. And, okay, okay, sure. <laughs> all right. <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> Where they just take a left turn on the characterization. Absolutely. Nice, nice. Well, the other thing to keep in mind there, too, is... Um, uh, and I've said this about the console room, and I still believe it should have been a future console room. But if we're d- going to say that he died, maybe it is supported. Because remember, she says, I saw all of you. Eleven of you. You're the eleventh Doctor. She doesn't say, I saw the twelfth Doctor or the thirteenth Doctor. And that's true. So maybe we are led to believe that he will die as the eleventh Doctor. In which case, you're right. Then it all hangs together. But that. But then, why was he saying, oh, there's also stuff to come. And that's why there's this horrible paradox. And I'm like, well, then what the hell? Is there much future Doctor stuff coming or not? Like, that... I know. Moffat's going to say we're overthinking this. But look, it's... It and he's going to make fun of us for yes. thinking about it. But it's easily solved in the writing. That's what bugs me. Instead of just, ah, it sounded good. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, so that that's that's rather bothersome uh, to me. But um, yeah, so all these things add up that start to eclipse the coolness of seeing old doctors and the idea of the doctor's time stream and the idea of the doctor visiting his grave. These are all neat. But yeah. So... Um, um, and they did explain, I had a problem with the prisoner and how he knew about Trenzalore, but they explained that in the web prequel we just saw. So that was all part of the, the great intelligence plan to implant it in this dude's brain and get the whole thing rolling. I can go with that. Right. Um, we talked about most of this other stuff. Oh, how is it River was still there in the mental link when Clara went through? Um, because for some, because Clara didn't die. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought up River because, uh, as I mentioned before, I really, well, I didn't mention it quite so much. I really liked the Doctor having that moment with River a lot. Amazing. And I know that, uh, I mean, I don't think, it's so weird because Rose was like 19. Mm -hmm. And I hated the Doctor liking her. Mm -hmm. And River's what, 42, 43? It's like 20 years older or so. And the Doctor's a thousand years old. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is very little mm-hmm. in comparison. But I totally am on board with the doctor actually. Because, you know, he's, he is, he's a grandfather. Mm-hmm. He has loved before. Or he, at least he got it on. And I would like to think that he had some emotion with the lady that mm-hmm. he got it on with. Mm-hmm. So he's capable of love. Mm-hmm. And I would ju- I'm glad that it's not with some bimbo <laughs> bimbo is the word it took me a couple of seconds but that's exactly the word uh i think i've i've always liked river song mm-hmm. and i thought the kiss they had was very sweet and very nice and it showed that he cares and i very much liked her goodbye sweetie mm-hmm. it's it's if that is i'm a big fan of river song and mm-hmm. if it's the last we see of her i will be totally happy because it's a perfect end to her character to me. 
Because this is definitely River post-Silence of the Library. It's post-Silence. She's mm-hmm. supposed to have uh, faded away by now, but mm-hmm. she hasn't because she never can get that goodbye. And uh, I liked the goodbye he gave that indicated, you know, she said, make it make it seem like we're going to see each other again, even though I know we won't. Until next time, River Song. It was great. It was great. Uh, it was definitely a, a solid, solid point of the episode for me. Hmm. And and again, it's uh, Daphne Ashbrook on Facebook. She had written something about the doctor, how she how she kissed the doctor in mm-hmm. the episode, and that started it all, or something like that, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I usually just don't even post, but I I commented and I said, "Don't get me started, <laughs> Daphne," <laughs> because I usually hate it, but mm-hmm. I really liked it there. Yeah, um, it was a nice moment. I still hate the doctor kissing anybody, so. I'm I'm very like eh. I, I shrug that scene off. I hate to say it. I mean, yeah. but but at a practical level, he clearly is capable of love and having sex. You're probably right. Here's my. I'm th- probably right because he has a granddaughter. Uh, yes, if you don't go with the fan theory that she's not literally his granddaughter. That fan theory yeah. is horseshit, and you know it. <laughs> you know that that was incorporated in the novelization of the Five Doctors. So Terrence Sticks at one time backed it. How is that? I don't remember that. He, it says it right there that it explains that, oh, well, it's an affectionate, you know, sort of nickname that he gave this this woman that, you know, he picked up a long time ago that she's not really his granddaughter. Terrence? Yeah. Now, I don't know if he did that under orders, but, you know, he might not have. I'm not sure. That, I, I remember reading that when I was first getting into Who, going like, oh, that explains that. And then I never thought of I've that. got that Doctor Who book at home. Mm-hmm. I might have to look at it. Five Doctors novelization. Give it a look. But, uh, look, even if she really is, and I'm not saying he's incapable, I think it's just because I'm so used to Doctor Who being one way that uh, when you start trying to change it, it feels strange. And, um, uh, yeah. I'm just, I understand I'm that. But if it's done right, and I think it was, it's done right this way, then I'm all for it. I sure as shit was furious with the idea that the Doctor saying, I love you to Rose. Or to Grace. Not that he said it, but, you know, they were clearly implying it was going that way. Uh, he didn't love her. He just figured out who he was. <laughs> okay. He just regenerated. All right, all right, all right. I don't, what, was that, is that the equivalent of Time Lord Rebound? What do you mean? I did I think he's... No, what? He didn't... Who's, what's, what's, why are you bringing love into Grace? He didn't love Grace. He's known her but for they, a day. They were doing all those kiss. Look at the end. Look at the very end when they do that big kiss and fireworks going off by the TARDIS. That was not just a, oh, I'm really happy. I'm going to kiss you. That was definitely a, hey, you're looking kind of good to me. Come here. Let's suck face. But that's... Uh, we all know that's not necessarily love, love. <laughs> all right. So the doctor had a little lusty moment is what you're saying. Sure. <laughs> I, I would certainly prefer the doctor to lust than to love somebody oh, he's just known for an hour oh, for, a, for three hours. Yeah, look, it's all it's all mushy gush to me. I don't I don't like it. I, I personally would rather not have it. I, I do I do a silent ignore button on a lot of that stuff with Doctor Who. At uh, the Doctor Who convention, I think it was in '86 mm-hmm. at the College of Saint Catharines, where Sylvester McCoy was there the first time I mm-hmm. I saw him, and um, somebody at the Q and A had asked him. Uh, they said, do, "Do you see uh, time for a lo- uh, potential for a love interest for the doctor?" 
And he said, you know what? I asked uh, the BBC about that, maybe getting a, a love interest for the doctor. And they said, oh, no, he's above all that. Kevin, what are your thoughts on the costume change for the 11th Doctor? I think he looks slick. I think yeah. he looks really good. I, I mean, I, as much as I like the initial uh, tweed jacket and whatnot, I think he looks really good. Mm -hmm. I, like, I mean, I think the tweed's always going to be his main look. Um, but uh, no, this is cool. I like, uh, I like the frock. I like the waistcoat. It's very much a throwback, very much a classic kind of a doctory look while still keeping the slim jeans and the bow tie and the hair. So the general silhouettes kept. So I think that's neat. I like the color scheme. I like the kind of darker tones of it. I think that's kind of cool. Do you prefer the, the velvet waistcoat or the gray waistcoat? Um, I don't have a preference. Don't have a preference? Nope. Nope. Just, you're just like, cool new coat. That's great. That's pretty much. Yeah. All right. And are you are you happy they put the face back in the opening title? Very much so. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought you would be. Um, I would have liked a, a full face, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Let's just embrace it. I know. Yeah. I'm the same way, but you know, I guess if you have to compromise, it's not a bad one. Um, so, uh, uh, and on the subject of costumes, I want to talk a little about these classic Doctor costumes. Now, if you look at the Hartnell costume. Kevin is giving me a look. I, I, uh, I just knew this was coming, and it's fun. I it, yeah, talk about looks. The look that's in Bob Mitch's eyes is fury and fire and rage. I, I just have to say, the the costume worn by Hartnell, the Hartnell double that walks by Clara, as well as of course the double in stealing the the old TARDIS. Uh, it's wrong. It's not right. I'm just going to say that. It is wrong. And people are going to say, how do you know who cares? And I'm going to say, look, I have freeze-framed this, <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's not right. Uh, if you look, well, there's two issues here. I'll get to the great, the bigger one in a minute. Uh, the length of his coat is just wrong. The coat is not that long. It's not like a long, long frock. I mean, his, his is almost more of a standard suit jacket with, like, odd stuff on it. So right away, that's off. And secondly, if you look at him when he's passing Clara, you can freeze it and actually make out the lapel is wrong. The lapel should be a shawl, you know, rolled collar. And this thing has, you know, it's got, it's got the gorge. It's got the, yeah, it, it's got, yeah, it's wrong. It's wrong. Okay. Uh, so, uh, not to mention in technically, and I understand this is to match the footage, but technically speaking, both Hartnell and Susan, I'm sorry, I said that like character and actor, didn't I? First doctor and Susan should be probably wearing something Gallifreyan when they steal it. They wouldn't already be wearing this sort of, Victorian. It probably would make stuff. more sense, especially if they're still trying to be sneaky. Um, it to would steal, they're 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 trying. If they're trying to be sneaky, they would still be wearing Gallifreyan. Clothes. Yes, there's no way they would be in those clothes yet. They probably adopted them once they got to Earth or whenever they got to some other planet. So I understand, though, it's sort of nodding the show. And how are you going to recognize them if they're in some generic Gallifreyan robe? And God help you if you have to roto Hartnell's head on a Gallifreyan robe body. So. I guess you got to forgive that, but um, yeah, and, and I know the reason for this is because um, more than likely, I'm almost certain they probably would have grabbed the costumes <laughs> from the Doctor Who experience, and if you look at the photos of the Doctor Who experience, it's pretty clear that the Hartnell and the Troughton are recreations, they're not original. Uh, the Pertwee is mostly also recreation, a few pieces are original, and uh, a lot of the Baker now is uh, a bit of a mixed match, but also now is mostly recreation, not original. Most of the original stuff starts with Davison. And uh, but the McGann is all recreation as well, which is kind of sad because I know they have the original, but I understand they want to protect it. Um, so they're probably just wearing that stuff, which I guess I can't I can't totally blame them because it's what's right there and available. But of course, there's this part of me going like, 
it's not that hard <laughs> to get a shawl collar jacket and make it look better. But um, I understand it's in the background and most people are going to care. I'm probably one of five people in the world who, <laughs> who noticed and gave a crap. Um, but yeah. And um, uh, the, uh, but I, I'll admit in the background that Colin Baker coat sure, sure still stands out, you know, gives a great color. Yeah. Pop. It did, did it give you any excitement to see, Hey, there's that's Colin Baker clearly in the background. Well, <laughs> it clearly wasn't Colin well, Baker not, in the background. I'm sorry. Not literally <laughs> Colin Baker, but you know, the sixth doctor. I saw a picture of it before mm-hmm. the episode. Well, that's right. It leaked. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was, I was very excited mm-hmm. and, uh, um, it was fun to see all the recreations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just hope that, I mean, all signs point to this not being the case, but I would really like the actors who played those roles being able to interact at least with Matt Smith in the 50th. Right. Um, yes, as would I. And unfortunately I'm getting it multiply confirmed that uh, we are not getting any classic doctor action, certainly not from the original actors in the 50th, but we might, I don't know. There's a slight chance we might get some more, some more clip show action, which would be kind of nice. And it kind of, kind of like foreshadowing. I think this, the, the finale might've been a little primer for people who don't necessarily, the the youngsters who Mm -hmm. don't know too much about the history Mm -hmm. to see these guys Mm -hmm. so that maybe they're ready for it when it happens the 50th. Hopefully it's all just a big smoke screen, which is possible. I, I want to believe it too, but there's just been so many, well, we know for sure Eccleston isn't coming back. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much. First of all, I, I choose to believe at least uh, maybe a fraction of Eccleston might show up. I don't know. Listen, here's the deal. After the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who mm-hmm. airs, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Facebook and I'm going to write one of two sentences as my status update. Option one is, that was awesome, mm-hmm. with possibly some curse words thrown in there. Mm-hmm. And option one happens when... The classic doctors are included mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Option B is Moffat must go. <laughs> it's one or the other, my good man. It's either that was flipping awesome or Moffat must go. Uh, the the rumor you uh, you've heard that uh, it's going to have to do with some sort of interactive paintings. Yeah, I mean that's something I read online that I choose to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so much out there. It's, it's difficult to, to know what to believe, what to not. I choose to believe that there will be interactive paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, I choose to believe, and this is not necessarily a spoiler because I don't know it to be true or not, but I choose to believe that uh, John Hurt is playing a doctor that comes after the eighth doctor and before the ninth doctor, and he's the guy who dealt with the time war who did terrible, terrible things in the time war. I choose to believe that. I don't know if it's the case. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the theories are he's a pre-Hartnell doctor. He's exactly the doctor you described, or he is a um, future doctor. Um, but by all the hints and the fact that the uh, leaked photo shows him wearing Eccleston's jacket, uh, it seems pretty clear to me that he is going to be a missing doctor between <clears throat> eight and nine. Um I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm I'm not keen on the whole. I'm not keen on retro continuity or retconning uh, much at all. And Same the, here. The idea that oh, here's this doctor you never knew about. It's, I mean, it feels like a cheap shot. It feels a bit like it makes me wonder. Like, was he always in the planning, or was is this to replace the lack of Eccleston? I have a feeling it's the latter. Uh, very very disappointed about the lack of Eccleston, mm-hmm. but I think we all are. But then again, do you think that? 
so do you think the end of that would have shown like Eccleston turning around and saying, I did some horrible things? I think it would have been different. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard <clears throat> the, uh, the counter uh, theories by fans saying, Hey, these guys are all too old. It would look too ridiculous. How do you write for this many characters? And I'm like, you know what? It's the 50th. Yeah. If you're a good writer, you find a way. You don't, you, you don't work. celebrate the 50th anniversary of something with the last eight years. Yes, you don't write. Uh, had it just been Eccleston, Tennant, and Smith, or just at this point, Tennant and Smith and Hurt, I guess, uh, it's a little disappointing. It's like, you know, I think the big thing to me that I don't understand, if, the, if this is a smokescreen, and I, of course, silently wish it is, why wouldn't you publicize, hey, Tom Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, they're back and count on them in, in some cool photo and, to tease you. And maybe they're waiting for the right time to do that. Maybe. Maybe. Because that's the thing about having a show, and especially when you have a, a long time off, mm-hmm. it's hard to re-engage enthusiasm. If mm-hmm. you put all this stuff out now, oh, in six months, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Then you just have to wait for six months. Mm-hmm. If in three months after that, you could say, oh... Someone saw Peter Davison. Someone mm-hmm. saw this scarf and this curly-haired guy. Mm-hmm. It's it's better way to keep people interested. Right. It's kind of like why how I want do spoilers. It's why I do spoilers mm-hmm. because it's a way of enjoying the show when the show's not on. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, All right. And, of course, there's always a host of... Well, I mean, Big Finish will definitely have all the classic Doctors back in their special. So I'm looking yes. forward to that for sure. Um, but I hear you. I totally hear you. I mean, look, I'm looking forward to it. Look, hey, we are going to get Zygons. So that's cool. Yeah, it's yes. cool. So, they look cool, too. Yeah, they look pretty... Yeah, it's a pretty good redesign. So, um, Of course, just after you finished your classic. I know. I'd like to think we had a hand in that. But uh, sadly, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's just good timing. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I just, I just, I just hope he doesn't drop the ball. There's just this part of me going like, how, how do you ignore? You can't, you, you can't do the 50th anniversary without, without the classics. No, you can't, you can't. Otherwise, what's the point? And it's, yeah. And if you do, you must go. (laughs) Um, all right. Um, yeah. Oh, so by the way, what was your final rating on the finale then? Oh, geez. I mean, I haven't been doing numbers in my head until this podcast. Uh, um, Just because I really like seeing the old doctors and seeing the doctor steal the TARDIS, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll go for seven. You'll go for seven? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, with, even with all of its problems, it the has, positive outweighs the negative. It has to have a lot of problems, but I will say that on first viewing, just you're seeing classic doctors, you've seen this really interesting idea of the doctor visiting his own grave. I mean, I'll say this, I was engaged, you know, I wasn't bored unlike some episodes. Yeah. So I think on that alone, I, I think I'm kind of with you. I think I would give it roughly a seven. It should be, it should be a 10. It really should, it should be, be a, a 10, 10, but I think the problems really beat it down to a seven. And sadly, um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll hover there. Mike, Maybe a 6.5. I'm not sure. It's so funny because we went through this season and we just dumped on so much of it. But we need to clarify. We are fans We're big of fans. Show. We do. We just, it's, it's sadly, we just, we, we expect a lot because we know how high the, the heights can go. I am not a Doctor Who apologist. Mm-hmm. I am a Metallica apologist. <laughs> I liked Load, Reload, and Saint Anger. Uh-huh. Um, but when Doctor Who makes mistakes that I think should be improved upon, I, I make my voice heard. 
Um, yeah, as as all as all fans do. Um, yeah, no. I look overall. I've I've generally enjoyed the season. It's it's been a little. I almost think we we suffered from the lack of two parters. Um, I would say generally I like this season better than last season. Um, last season had some good ones, but the overall arc with River and the Silence I felt was poorly thought out and not satisfactorily concluded. And when you really lay out that story, it's completely barmy. Yeah, with the whole silence will fall and all everything. Yeah. It's it it set up a lot of stuff you thought were gonna be really cool and really pay off and it really didn't. And it makes me wonder if he if he was if he had the plan or if he was like, oh, I'll figure that out later. Yeah, it really does. It really makes you yeah. Mm, I agree. It, it was very disappointing. Um, the way that season played out. At least season five generally played out satisfactorily with the way the crack in the universe did. Yeah. And I thought we had an interesting little seed for the next season with the whole who did explode the TARDIS and what does the silence will fall mean. And when they bring it into season six, it almost feels like it has no connection. Like we still never really see the scene where the silence apparently caused the TARDIS to explode in season five. And that uh, console room. Like that, uh, yeah, the weird silence almost console room that's still not really explained, and that's something that could be really exciting, yeah, it could be interesting, yeah, what's up with that? Yeah, it clearly resembles a TARDIS console room for a reason, right? Um, yeah, I agree, there's there's some neat stuff there. I maybe they'll still be answered, but considering the way he's answered some of this stuff, it makes me very worried what the answer will be officially, but um, anyway, um. yeah, um, there was one other point I wanted to bring up, oh, um. So my whole thing about the doctor stealing the TARDIS, uh, this was somewhat brought up in The Doctor's Wife, where it, it's implied that the TARDIS, the Type 40, was a museum piece, implying that he might have stolen it from a museum, which I liked, actually. But okay, he steals it from a whatever, a TARDIS lot, a, a repair shop. I'm not totally against that. Although it's interesting the way they showed plain TARDISes as these weird cylinders. Sure. Which I thought was a very 1960s idea, you know, the way like the Dalek ship was shown in The Chase and the way the cigarettes <clears throat> were shown in The War Games. So I go, as a 60s idea, I get this. My problem is that, and I guess this is another thing with the doctor's name, you're never going to satisfactorily do this. I've always wanted to know, if you turn the chameleon circuit completely off, what does it look like? How big is it? You know, I always wanted to know that. You know, is that, is that and weird? Are, are you, no, it's not weird at no. all. It's, I think it's a, a common thought that a lot of us Whovians have had. Mm -hmm. I am completely satisfied with the mm -hmm. cylindrical response i well I, I mean i think it's still a chameleon it's like they're it's like generic setting it's not it's still not really what it looks like you know what i mean it's just this is generic doorway setting because clearly it's still smaller than what the tardis really is you know what i'm saying but what so what you don't think the the default is the what is what it really looks like I always assume that if you shut it off, if you shut off any exterior camouflage, it would appear as its proper size. It would, but it's it infinite. Well, that's if you go with that. I always assume that you that it was extremely huge, but it wasn't exactly infinite. Well, I mean, you could say he was exaggerating or what have you, but in Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, he says it's infinite. Mm -hmm. And it's been said before. There was one... Uh, I think someone was talking to this is one of those classic big Doctor Who books that I had mm -hmm. uh, where it was like behind the scenes and all this stuff. And there was mm -hmm. a convention where somebody said to John Nathan Turner, he's like, so you say uh, and he pushed up his glasses, I'm sure, before he said this. <laughs> uh, you say that the TARDIS is infinite. Is that correct? Oh, yes, absolutely. The TARDIS is uh, one is infinite. It goes on forever. Um, and you say in Logopolis 
that they are going to jettison 25... No, in Castor Valva, you're going to jettison 25% of the interior, correct? Oh, yes, yes, they have to jettison 25% uh, of the interior. How can you jettison 25% of infinity? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Uh, and, well, it's a legitimate concern. So, it's, no, it's it's true. That I think that's why secretly, while they've said infinite, I've always taken that to mean next to, you know, like really effing big, but not infinite. So, I mean... No, I think it's I think the default as the cylinder is is plenty good. Yeah, it's just it's Time Lord default. This is this is generic doorway number one. You go change from here, but it's not really what it looks like. You know what I'm saying? I I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I guess that was why it was a it's a it was a it wasn't like a disappointment. Disappointment. It was just a mild huh, okay. Like what else are you gonna do? You're gonna interpret it in a '60s way because this is how they would have done it back in the day. And you're trying to ode to this because if it looked too fantastical, you're you're rubbing in the face of what footage you're throwing into it. So I get it. But um, the other side of that was, um, I have to admit, I really like the idea of the Doctor, kind of like the Malcolm Reynolds moment in Firefly, where he lays eyes on that TARDIS and it's love at first sight. Yeah, and we, and don't, we, get don't, that. we don't get that. And that's a little, that was the real disappointment, that no, it's Clara putting him over there. And okay, maybe the moment still happens that's described in The Doctor's Wife, where once he sees the console and touches it, he says that, you know, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, which is great. But it's like that moment, I think, is what, you're, what we're missing. I completely agree. I, I, don't think, I don't think that moment needed to be sullied by yes. Clara. Yes, yes. That's that's my whole thing. Where uh, you know, like how RTD said, "Oh, you didn't watch the episode." Okay, well, you know how it was implied at the end of um, uh, end of time that while tenants regenerating, he checks in on everybody to see how they're doing. Remember this? No. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, he's checking in on all his companions, right? In uh, the Sarah Jane Adventures, when he's talking to Joe, and he's Matt Smith, he's like, "You know, before I regenerated, I checked in on all of you." even you, implying that he didn't just check in on the companions of the new series. He was checking in on Vicky and Dodo and everybody. <laughs> and I just was like, thank you, RTD, for taking something that was already fairly stupid and making it even more stupid. Well, and, and then, I mean, you can add the, the whole regeneration limit, which was just thrown away as, as a as a lie or what have you. How many times can you regenerate? What did he say? It was like 507 or something. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, okay, great. You're brought back to write for the doctor and you're just going to... You're just gonna dump on the regeneration. Give limit. us a give us a flip of the bird when yep. you, anytime you have the opportunity. Pretty much, that's what it felt like. Well, this isn't all on the same lines of. So I'm led to believe that you know Claire is now embedded somewhere in every classic story, and I thought I have to admit now when I go back and watch classic Doctor Who, I'm never going to be thinking about that. I'm never going to be thinking. I wonder where Claire is. No, in this. no, because uh, no. It's so it's that level of retconicity that I'm not a fan of, and I get that it, it was a way to engage the entire timeline of the Doctor and be sort of anniversary-ish, but I kind of wish there was a, a cleaner way to do it. Yes, That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. But um, but that said, it was uh, it was big on spectacle. It had some cool ideas, and you know, um, the, the whole idea that yeah, the Doctor's grave and a, and a TARDIS growing like a monument was kind of interesting and. You know, but you didn't like that. I don't think I liked that. You didn't like that. No. All right. Okay. The the the, it, the, the inside versus outside right. computer was broken down and leaking. Nah, come on. Do you, uh, now, do you think the people who are disappointed because it was called the name of the doctor, much like 
I have friends who, when they saw Let's Kill Hitler, were disappointed that it wasn't a big, inglorious bastards Doctor <laughs> Who going after Hitler with a shotgun. Um, uh, I think Let's Kill, Kill Hitler. I think from its title, uh, when you when a, I think I think it's a fine title. Mm-hmm. I think it's a title that indicates we're going to have, this is going to be a crazy adventure, mm-hmm. and I, I think it totally fits. I think. I think it totally fits. All right. But name of the Doctor, do you think it's disappointing that we have this title, we don't learn the name of the Doctor, even though that's a, it's a trick title, actually. It does deliver on the title, it's, but not it's in the like the fall of It's like the fall of the 11th, mm-hmm. the name of the Doctor. Um, I had less of a problem with, with that. I think I didn't want to know the Doctor's name. I didn't ever believe we were going to learn the Doctor's name. No. And I was wondering how, he's, how he was going to put that together. Uh, I think... The title of the doctor, or mm-hmm. the name of the doctor, the title of the doctor. I thought, I thought it made sense. It it was legit. It was good enough for me. Could you imagine if they had said, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's the doctor's name, and his name is Fred, or his name is Ralph, or something? I mean, could you imagine if they had done that, and they really meant it, like they weren't joking? No, it'd be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would that would that get the early Moffat must go line from you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I would have been extremely unhappy. Yeah, there's there's no way to say it. it's even if you try to invent an alien weird sounding name, it's still going to be garbage. It, none, none, nothing's going to work. It's obvious. But um, somebody I know actually literally thought his name was Please because he says Please and the door opens. I mean, I'm sure they thought it for two seconds, mm-hmm. but they didn't believe it yeah. after that. You can't. Yeah, you can't really go with that. But I, I think it's interesting that it, yes, the episode hinges on the name of the doctor because it's what gets you into the tomb. And also it's about the, the promise, the name of the doctor and how that does relate to the fact that his secret is a guy who is him, but did not call himself the doctor. Speaking of which, how exciting was it that they name checked the Valley Yard? I'm surprised that they did that. Yeah. And you know what? If you're going to bring up the Valley Yard, you better pay that shit off. Yeah, talk about something that's been forgotten about in the show. I know, I think he came back in one or two of the books, but, I mean, that's just one of those things where... And it's... That's, that was it's big. Tough. That we, was huge. It was. Yeah. I think it's really difficult because we need to define exactly what incarnation... Yeah. They got real vague on this in there, yeah. Because, especially with that wacky non-regeneration of, of Tenant. Yeah. And um, was there another time where the doctor used regenerative power or something well aside from saving river's wrist and getting a new some kind of regenerative set when she kissed him in uh, let's kill hitler yeah man so between those and the and, fake out and and, now, and, now and hurt. hurt we don't know where we're at on the not to mention if you want to get crazy in brain and morbius remember when he does the mind game yeah uh, the mind bending with morbius there's a whole thing where pre Hartnell you're seeing all these doctors. I don't think they had any idea no, back how then, big of a thing they were doing right there. No, no, then. no, no, no. I think back then they were mucking around, and now it, it's not continuity. The, all, all you can say retroactively on that is it was Morbius' lives or the doctor was tricking him. It doesn't. You can't make that stick anymore. But, but so setting that aside, uh, it what you just said is very true. It's it is a little murky. Where does he? I wondered that too in uh, Journey's End. I'm like, does that mean he just used up a regeneration? Yeah, but to, didn't have to change his face. Didn't have to change his face. In which case. And, but the only reason he could do that is because he could shoot it off into an effing hand. Wow, this is... Oh, goodness. I know. I just... Sorry. Every time people bring up how much they miss RTD and they don't like Moffat... And I'm and look, Moffat's not above criticism, of course, You know, as we just said. But 
I just shake my head going like, no, RTD is guilty of far greater sins to me than Moffat. Agreed. Agreed but, wholeheartedly. But I understand that what people I think are missing is the people who got used to the very bombastic, very overdone uh, cliffhangery stuff he did and the more emotional beats he would give characters um, than Moffat does. Moffat is a little more plot mechanics and RTD was much more about the characters. I think it would have been incredible. It would have been certainly more impactful and... Uh, I would have liked it more if Jenny had stayed dead. Yes, I agree. Because that was the one time I actually kind of cared about her. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Like, and it was like, pretty well done. It was very well done. And, the, I, and it showed consequences that you're dealing with a villain that's, you know, it's hard to mess with. And, and, and the way that she got to go out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I think I've been murdered. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, and it was very haunt. You're right. I loved how that was played. And then to cheat it by saying, oh, well, I just, what was it? Like, it was basically CPR. It was just, oh, a little mouth to mouth and she's fine. And I'm like, what? The Strax used some or that's electronic it. device. That, that was it. Yeah, yeah, defibrillated her chest. And I'm just like, that big cheat. No, sorry. No, we needed to see consequences there. Absolutely. I completely, I was, when I was watching it again, that actually totally occurred to me. And I'm like, yes, she needed to die for good. I agree. Another misstep. I'm marking it down to a five now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I that I was a cheat, big cheat, and I still think it's a cheat that the that the um, great intelligence just brought them there. In which case, it made me wonder, like, if it can locate them and bring them there, why didn't it just locate the doctor and bring him there too? Or is it that he needed the doctor? He can't reach the doctor, or the doctor had to fight the TARDIS to get there himself because he's not supposed to be there. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a good answer to that. Hmm. It's just, you know, more plot mechanics. But I guess it helped to set up the grave state of the Doctor's mind. That, that performance Matt Smith gave, where he's almost into tears, talking about Trenzalore, was, was nice. And it really made you go, well, what does that mean? And I guess you're calling back to the moment from the end of Season 6, but uh, he didn't seem to know what it was then. But I guess in the interim, he's figured out that, oh, that's, that's where I'm going to be dead, or that's where I'm going to be buried, or something. I don't remember his reaction to... Uh, didn't he just walk away from... Was it Dorium? Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of walks away and looks at the camera, but it is, he doesn't seem to recognize with any recognition. I but, thought he was walking with steadfast... Resolution? Uh, uh, kind of like, yeah, I know. I know I'm going to have to deal with Trenzalore, but screw it. Okay. I'll deal but, with it when I deal with it. Here's an interesting question, though. If, if Trenzalore is such a big deal, and this is where he supposedly really dies, this is his grave... Then why was Lake Silencio such a big effing deal in season six? Why wouldn't the silence just target him at Trenzalore? And how would Trenzalore even be a locked point in time? Uh, if dude, Lake Silencio listen, was doing to this—it's just gonna throw our heads in circles. This is, but this is a problem. It it's is a, a problem. It's a major problem. I can't deal with it. The only way you can reconcile it is if by tricking his death, it reset the fixed point somehow. Which is the only way you can kind of make it work. But even that's a bit silly. And the, even the fixed point was just it being reported that the doctor died. Right. But, oh, this is where the doctor... Oh, yeah. No, they, big deal. That's where, I think that's the other problem, too. If you're going to say this is where the doctor dies, it needs to feel very convincing. It needs to feel like this is what would take out a Time Lord. And this is the kind of entity or, or villain that would take out the Time Lord. Whether it's the Master or the Great Intelligence or the Daleks or something. And rather than random astronaut in a lake with zappy powers. I think that was another reason why it always felt weak to me. It was just like... If well, but we didn't know who was under the hood, though. I thought it was a fine mystery. 
It was interesting, but I never, I never could fully believe that. Oh, this is really where the doctor's supposed to die. I could never. Because well, no, because we know the doctor isn't. Well, die. no, but I'm saying to even convince me of the importance of this, hmm. I think it needed more to it. I think it was a great weird visual of an astronaut in a lake, but I don't think the doctor's death should have been necessarily as far as they should have gone, or they should have supported it with something else. This just feeds more into my issues with season six that we're dragging back up now. But anyway. Bloody bloody blah. <laughs> I think uh, this has still been a very interesting season, um, you know. And except for me, like I think Ten Call Mercy and Rings were my my two real failures. And Journey, I'd say those are my three kind of major dips. But that's easily made up for, I think, by like episodes like Bells and Power of Three um, and Asylum. Yeah. So um, it's been an interesting season. It's it's been good. And if you think about it, I like the fact it feels a little arc light. I mean, I know the Clara mystery was there, but it didn't feel as heavy-handed as other arcs, which I liked. I thought it was pretty heavy-handed myself. Really? But maybe I was fine with it. I just look forward to now, we know who she is, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe we can have a season where it's not about the companion. Can we do that once? Just one season? <laughs> it's not about the companion. Yeah, you're right. If you if you think about it, uh, in some way, form, or fashion, you're right. The, the emphasis always goes to the companion. Maybe because they always know that that's the entry point for a lot of people in the audience. Because the Doctor is such a, a mystery, mm-hmm. right? Well, but by that standard, you want to be able to relate with the Companion. Mm-hmm. And when you don't know who or what the Companion is all about, mm-hmm. it's harder. No, that's true. You're right, because the, the other arcs didn't center on him like that. <clears throat> in, in, in a mystery fashion like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but okay. But uh, so overall, you enjoy the finale? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like, and I, I think I've made this comparison before, but Doctor Who and pro wrestling have the same effect on me where even when it's bad and it treats me bad, <laughs> I'm going to watch it forever. <laughs> Are you like the battered housewife? I <laughs> am. I've, I've, I've made that comparison a number of times. <laughs> What's that? CM Punk turned bad and uh, he did an awesome promo. Okay, I guess he can do terrible, terrible matches and angles for the next six months because you gave me that one bit of awesome. <laughs> so what's that? there's all these problems with the finale, but you gave me a little bit of Hartnell and Tom Baker on screen again. I mean, that, that Hartnell goes a long way. <laughs> do you think they could have used better clips, though, than Dragonfire and the Invasion of Time? I think they could have. I mean... Uh, I mean, the Dragonfire <laughs> clip is so silly. It really was like, why did we pick this one? <laughs> uh, I do a podcast called All Right, Let's Do a Podcast. That's one L, All Right, Let's Do a Podcast. We're on Facebook and iTunes. And it's my friend Ralph and I, and we talk about nerd stuff. Uh, he's not a big Doctor Who fan, but I have him watch Doctor Who stuff and get his... Uh, He's actually growing. He likes Eccleston a lot. That's cool. And he likes Captain Jack a lot. Mm-hmm. And he watches Arrow, which Barrowman is on. Oh, okay. Who does he play on there? He, I don't know. I don't watch Arrow. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean. He's told me about it, but I I should probably listen better. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants to, he likes Barrowman so much, he wants to watch Torchwood. And I found myself trying to talk him out of it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what the hell, man? Let him watch Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> What? Why am I being such a jerk here? Let's see what he thinks of good old Torchwood. Oh, boy. 
Yeah, I'll be curious to see what a newcomer thinks too. Uh, I've I've got a friend who's going through the new series, and he's I think middle or, or just finishing Torchwood right now too. So I'm taking him through. I'm I'm skipping episodes to get to what I think are good ones. And uh, tonight he'll be telling me what he thought of School Reunion. Interesting. Which uh, and I'm looking forward to the next one, which of course is the Girl in the Fireplace. Girl in the Fireplace which is one yeah. of my favorites. It's interesting to go back to these ones that's that Moffat wrote that made us love what he did. It's true. If you go back to his RTD era stuff, I fall in love with them all over again. I go, man, where's this? guy but this has been fun talking uh just just diving into who had first uh thank you for uh for suggesting this kevin as much i, I enjoy talking about doctor who with you mm-hmm. and i just thought you know what we should we should do it on your podcast where, where it'll count for something Mark. somehow somewhere in the universe it'll be out there <laughs> um all right and uh, if people are interested in more uh, season seven talk uh we were just discussing that uh, you can go to radio free scarrow and uh yeah i just listened to their review of this uh, on the way mm-hmm. not the, on the way over but today mm-hmm uh, and a madman with a box, uh, dot com, which is uh, our friend Stephen Prescott's uh, podcast, where he and Ewan discuss uh, all the episodes separately, but especially the finale. And it sounds like they're a little kinder to it, but they have just as many problems with it as we do. Uh, maybe not as many, but mm-hmm. I, it's it's fun because like in the last three days, I listened to both of those podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're 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 tougher on it. Okay, well, you know, it's because we got to be <laughs> tough love. Um, All right, well, we'll be back with more a proper costume uh, shop talk, uh, both Doctor Who and otherwise, next time here on Costume Station Zero.